He thought he was in control. How wrong he was. Stefan. That's me. And you are tuning into the Dark Side Drive-In, which is our horror theme podcast where we kind of go through our thoughts on movies from the 80s, sometimes 90s, and sometimes 70s. And uh, we've got a pretty big one today. Um, I don't know. I usually say banger. I, I enjoy it, but I don't know. You'll have to wait till the end to hear um, what our thoughts are. But I know everybody... Is just dying to know what the trivia question answer is. So the question from last week was, <laughs> in which ni- <laughs> in which 1965 movie are five horror stories linked by the mysterious Dr. Shrek, played by Peter Cushing? And the answer is Dr. Terror's House of Horror. You know, if Peter so, Cushing had been playing a character named Dr. Terror and not a character named Dr. Shrek, I might have had a better chance of getting that. I still probably wouldn't have, but... Yeah, you know, that's fair. Like, some of these questions are really obscure. But so this time on we'll come up with a really cool, interesting title for a game show. Uh, we're going to play Name That Movie. Ooh. So this game. Wait, what the hell was that other one then? I You guys had questions. Uh, it's, it's just, just trivia. Name the movie. Oh, okay. Yeah. This, this one's <laughs> Same kind so, of idea, though. Yeah. All right. Yeah, no, yeah. So, that, Sorry, I'm stepping on your toes already. You're just trying to get this thing off the ground. Let's no, go. you're good. You're good. You're good. <laughs> so how this works is I'm going to say a quote, and you have to tell me which movie it's from. All right. And, I think I get it. Okay. You ready? I'm the readiest I've ever been. Where we're going, you won't need eyes. Uh, Is there like a time period that it's from, or is it from any time period? 90s. Event Horizon? So your guess was Event Horizon. Um, we're going to post the question on the, the old Facebook group. and um, You know why I guess Event Horizon? Why is that? Because uh, uh, Jurassic Park's Sam Neill takes out his eyes. Oh, hmm. Hmm. Well, folks, if you agree with Stefan, let us know. If, if it's not um, that, you, then it's The Phantom with Billy Zane, where someone also think- gets his eyes stabbed out. If you think it's a buckets of blood, just let us know, and then we'll uh, we'll keep moving. It was never buckets of blood, and I've already <laughs> apologized for this. Like it was a bucket of blood, and it, it also a single bucket. It was just one, and it wasn't even a it wasn't even an anthology movie. Everything was wrong. I did everything wrongly. So Wr- wrongly, yeah. But I'm I'm pretty confident in myself this time because um. I used to in college watch Event Horizon a lot because we had a, a fraternity brother that was really like super like that movie. It was one of his like I feel like it was one of his favorite movies where he just showed it to us a lot. Yeah, I've seen it like seven times in a span of two years. So it's kinda weird. I love the movie though, so as Lawrence complain. Fishburne in it. It's great. It's a great movie. All right, so, well, hopefully I'm right, or the fact that we spend a lot of time talking about it will look stupid. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Uh, <laughs> some of these are like pretty like softball questions. Um, like the one, I, the one trivia question. Here, I'll read it. We're not, we're never gonna do this because this is a dumb question. 
What is All the right. name of the demonic clown in the It movies? Pennywise? Yeah, so it's like, okay, like... Right. What are we I was like, I think about? I do a trick question, like what his what, real what name is, because we never know what children. His Tim Curry real is his real name. No, Tim Curry is an actor. Is he? What? What? Oh no, let me check my notes. So I, I didn't take notes on that. <laughs> oh shit. So just uh some quick housekeeping. Um we're still rocking and rolling. AGB's going strong on streaming. Uh, I think Sir Cheddarworth's roundtable should have something soon. And we are also kind of piloting something new that'll come out at the beginning of next year. So stay tuned. Um, I don't know if you have any housekeeping you wanted to get into, but if not, I think uh, I think we've got a we've got a really solid movie to get into coming up here. So what do you think? You want to just dive into it? Yeah, I'm I'm trying to figure out if there's actually any housekeeping that I was supposed oh. to say, but I don't think okay. there was. But I am uh, actually. I am writing another review. I skipped uh -oh. over the other two and now I'm writing one about suitable flesh because I just rented that and it was super good. So <laughs> watch out. Skipping over the other two uh, reviews to do this review. <laughs> yep. So you can find that on our website, dynamismedia.com, where you can also subscribe to it. Um, stop saying, stop talking about the subscription <laughs> thing and you don't know what it does. It might just send people a bunch of like illicit like links to their email or something. We don't want to, we don't know. It's all going to be movies from that guy from Demon Wind. Uh, what was the blonde haired guy? That's like the douchebag. Oh, yeah. What, what was that guy's name? Anyways, um, it'll, be, it'll be all his movies. Well, Dell was the name of his character. But yeah, the name okay, the, I don't know his real name. Yeah, the name of the actor. I can't remember. But yeah, Dell was yeah. the character. He just sends you an email and says, that's why I keep you around. <laughs> that's why I keep you guys around. That should be actually, that's going to be the newsletter. Oh, no. So that's why we keep you guys around. But um, but yeah. So we're getting into Maximum Overdrive today. Um, Stephen King's directorial debut and final <laughs> foray yeah, first, into the first director. and last time in the director's chair for Mr. Stephen King. I'm I'm pretty excited for the cast and crew because there are some people in here that I because I've seen this movie, but I never really like looked into it. I just watched it. There are some people in here that are super famous now. There are. That, yeah. So why don't, why don't you kick us off? Why don't I? But before I do that, I want to mention, I think last time I might have said that this movie came out in 1987. And I hope I didn't, but I didn't go back and listen to the episode to find out. It's It, it came out in 86, but it takes place in 87. It's one of those like in the not too distant future kind of things. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, if I made that mistake, uh, whoops, my bad. Uh, and to to prove how much uh, of a fan I am of Maximum Overdrive, I'm wearing my Maximum Overdrive T-shirt, even though we're an entirely audio medium. It's on and no one can say it isn't. So there you <laughs> yeah, go. I'm wearing mine, too. You don't have one. You're a liar. <laughs> You're the lyingest person. You don't have a Maximum Overdrive T-shirt. I know you don't because you would have showed it to me. Yeah, so my Maximum Overdrive T-shirt is the truck with the green head on it the green goblin head yeah text me a picture of it if this is true if you have one right, i need to on. see I'll, it i'll text you hold on you're just gonna text me a stock image of one you find online yeah, i know no, your I'll, game i'll send the picture hold on seems like a good use of our time and this purely audio go, audience just hang hang in there audience this will be worth it well will it be let me know when it goes through clearly i'll let you know 
Oh, there we go. What is it? Oh, you bastard. It's that. God damn you. <laughs> now you pretty much have to cut this whole thing out. Why would you? Uh, there's. If you keep this in for some reason, there's a picture that Shane texted me and he keeps making everyone else text me. And it's gross. It's a gross picture of the United States where it makes Florida look like genitalia. And he keeps sending it to me and he keeps having everyone else send it to me. Shout out to our Florida listeners. Uh, yeah, they're the they're the phallus. That's what they are. <laughs> Anyways, no, I do not have a maximum overdrive t-shirt. Yeah, so. well, clearly. This is all a ruse to embarrass me on live TV. It worked. <laughs> Anyhow, as we said in the opening, the director, but also the writer, is Stephen King. Maybe you've heard of him. Maybe you've heard of one of the most prolific authors in like currently alive. Uh, probably second only to what, like James Patterson or something? who I'm actually convinced is a pseudonym used by numerous other like writers. And then they just like put their name next to his and it says James Patterson and someone else. It's actually them. Yeah. But, I think, I think Stephen King probably is the most prolific. He writes a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it, so this is actually also based off of a uh, short story called trucks, which I believe was a story in, um, what was it? Night shift, right? The short story collection that I've brought up before. Yeah, um, and folks, uh, if you are watching Maximum Overdrive, the name Trucks makes way more sense. Yeah, it's like mostly trucks. And also, they actually, there was a, a pseudo-remake, like, I guess, re-adaptation of that story, actually called Trucks, mm -hmm. which played on Tubi immediately after Maximum Overdrive was over. And it was released in 97, I want to say, 97, 98, something like that. And let me tell you, not as good. And that's saying something because this movie isn't exactly an award winner, but man, what a, it just like did not nail the tone at all. I feel like this one at least has a tone that is uniquely Stephen King. And this is one of those things like where I'll like try to explain it while we go through, when we go through the plot description and everything, but it's like, how do I explain what it is that's so Stephen King about this to somebody who doesn't read Stephen King? I, I can explain it visually, but, <laughs> but we can get there later. Sure. Fair enough. Um, yeah, so uh, basically, I, uh, I'm i going to forego going through his bibliography since it's massive. Um, yeah, that's a whole like, show. Yeah, like literally, I think there's like 341 like writing credits on IMDb. Almost all of them are story by or novel by like right from, you know, so he has a lot of credits. Uh, I, I focused up on some of the screenplay ones that he had because, again, he never directed anything else after this. Um, he had uh, Creep Show, uh, The Dead Zone which was a Cronenberg film, is kind of underrated. Cat's Eye, Silver Bullet. Uh, he did an episode of Tales from the Dark Side, so I have to bring that up every time it happens. <laughs> Pet Cemetery, Sleepwalkers, uh, The Stand, the Mick Garris miniseries from 94, I want to say. Uh, Storm of the Century, Under the Dome, Lizzie's Story, those sor sorts of things. And unlike you know a lot of the writers we get here, he's also got like a lot of acting appearances, usually in like quick one-offs. But some of the more notable ones there, are like uh, George Romero's Night Riders, uh, Creep Show, where he played actually a, a character in an entire segment. Uh, Creep Show Two, he had a brief appearance. Uh, Pet Cemetery, Sleepwalkers, The Stand, a lot of these adaptations. Langoliers, Thinner. Uh, he's in episodes of Frasier, The Simpsons, and Sons of Anarchy. 
sometimes as characters in the case of the Simpsons as himself. Um, and the most recent credit I think yeah, I saw for him was like in it chapter two. And I don't remember who he was, but he apparently had a brief appearance in that. He likes to do cameo appearances in his stuff. So yeah, like, wasn't he like a janitor or something? Yeah. Yeah. It was something like that. Like something that's not exactly like he doesn't like to like really stand out. Yeah. Um, so I think the, the probably the one that he had like the biggest role besides creep show was in actually in the stand. Like he actually played a, a like a truck driver, a character who's a truck driver that was like kind of a not a like the stand has so many characters in it, like if you've ever read it. So it's like literally not one of like the A like the S tier characters, the main characters, but then there's like supporting characters throughout, and he was like one of the you know, named and, and noteworthy supporting characters that had like a chapter in the book. Um, which again isn't saying much because that book's like what thirteen hundred pages or something. It's massive. Yeah, it's unreal. <laughs> yeah, but anyways, uh, moving on. Uh, I'm actually going to talk about a producer for once. I usually don't get into producers because um, it's hard to tell sometimes how involved they really are. Uh, but in this case, it's very important because it's Dino De Laurentiis. Um, and the reason I bring it up is because number one, this is supposed to be the part of a uh, part of a three picture deal that Stephen King had with uh, De Laurentiis's production company. Obviously that never happened. And Dino De Laurentiis clearly didn't push the issue. <laughs> um, but uh, at the same time, there was like an, a story that I've seen in multiple uh, cases, like I've seen multiple um, corroborating details to this. So apparently um, Stephen King being a huge fan of Sam, Sam Raimi's evil dead brought up to Dino De Laurentiis that Sam Raimi was having a hard time getting funding to do evil dead Two, which as we all know, evil dead one was great, but it was like very much had like this, like a work in progress or a student film feel. It was very yeah. much a, a first film, low budget, and they're having trouble funding to do a sequel. So Evil Dead 2 happened because De Laurentiis, he didn't have a producer role in the film, but he did help secure financing for it at Stephen King's ins, uh, insistence. So because even though Maximum Overdrive, just, you know, not trying to say anything here because like many of us love it, but not exactly a success story. <laughs> but Without it, we wouldn't have the enduring legacy of the Evil Dead series. It's continued to this year with like Evil Dead Rise. So that wouldn't have become like a, a, the franchise that it is if it weren't for Stephen King talking up to Dino De Laurentiis. Thank you, Stephen King. Thank you, Stephen King. And also for other books and, and things you've done. And also this uh, Dino De Laurentiis, though, he has like some pretty, pretty cool uh, genre uh, film productions. Uh, the 1976 King Kong, the one with... Uh, the dude in it, right? That's the one with Jeff Bridges. Um, mm -hmm. Orca, the Jaws ripoff featuring an Orca. Uh, Flash Gordon, Halloween 2, Conan the Barbarian. Um, Amityville 2, The Possession, Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, which uh, people who listened to the last episode know I love it because uh, Tom Atkins. <laughs> uh, the Dead Zone, Firestarter, Dune, Silver Bullet. You see a lot of crossover with Stephen King properties there. Uh, Leviathan, sometimes they come back. Army of Darkness. He has more than that. I, I really just picked the ones that were interesting to me. So there you go, Dino De Laurentiis. Thank you for giving us this movie, even though it, I don't think you recouped your money on it, but you recouped our heart. Uh, next up is music. Uh, it says here it's a band called ACDC. Never heard of them. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, so it's an ACDC soundtrack. This it's an ACDC one. joint. Yeah, literally. So, um, so yeah, so there's like a story about how Stephen King apparently like sang one of their songs in its entirety in order to try to convince them to uh, do the music for this movie. Uh, so not just like newer versions or or versions of like songs they've already written or new songs that they've written, but also there's a few instrumentals throughout. And uh, he convinced them to do it. And let me tell you, they have uh, something like 241 soundtrack credits in their IMDb, but they only have one other composer credit besides Maximum Overdrive, and that's ACDC Live at River Plate. Yeah, it was so, their own. It was their own. It was their uh, own production. thing. Yeah. yeah. So, so for whatever reason, they decided that they didn't want to do uh, composing of soundtracks anymore, which is too bad. It's like ACDC is ACDC. <laughs> so yeah, there you go. Uh, there is a rumor apparently that they had a cameo in this movie as well, but that is false. They did not. Uh, oh, they see, did. they were they were the one truck. That was just that was a truck with it on it. That wasn't them. No, that was them. I think in spirit, but not in body, <laughs> which is the thing that matters. They because they in the truck. Well, Stephen King asked them if they wanted to do a cameo, and they apparently told him, "No, we're not actors." Um, so they just did Good the call. soundtrack instead. Yeah, great, great fucking call, guys. <laughs> well yeah but here's the thing like the um the album that basically is the soundtrack to this so it has what uh who made who which is like a new song for this and then it has a few instrumentals and then it has some i don't know if they're remixes or just like new versions of some of their hits i think uh those are about uh for those who are about to rock we salute you and then you shook me all night long they were actually hell's released bells. hell's bells yes hell's bells was there and that was released as a separate album that was just called Who Made Who. It was originally mm-hmm. pressed as a uh, soundtrack to this, but they, because the movie wasn't that successful, they ended up just calling it Who Made Who and released it as a standalone album. So there's a lot of confusion among people about like what that album really is. It's like, I'm here to tell you it was originally supposed to be the soundtrack to this, and the movie didn't do well enough that they believed they'd be able to sell it that way. So they opted to release it as a separate album and they made a pretty good music video for this too oh yeah no i mean the song rules and also the movie rules but yeah the song rules and i actually um i think i kind of i borrowed it from a family member i don't know if i ever returned it but i i did borrow the who made who album from a family member so hopefully i returned it if not oopsies so there you go music by acdc uh next up is the cast starting with uh bill robinson as played by emilio estevez um emilio estevez probably best known for that uh really long kind of awkward joke in night at the roxbury oh my god (laughs) that's good that was the thing that that i that was the joke yeah Yeah, before before we recorded i told you that's good that's that's fucking good that's good But no, obviously not. Uh, you know, the Outsiders, uh, Breakfast Club, um, Young Guns, Young Guns 2, the Mighty Ducks, like every Mighty Ducks, including, I guess, there was a recent like revival series. He was in that, you know, as Coach Bombay. He got kicked out of that. Did he? Yeah, he wouldn't. It's a COVID related. He didn't want to get vaccinated or something. Oh, well, bummer. Yeah, but it his wasn't like... It wasn't so much he was anti-vax. I think he like got it and was like, I don't need to get it because I just had it. I don't, it was weird. So Disney uh, was like, you know what? 
We're going to get uh, Timothy Oliphant's twin brother, Josh Duhamel, and everything will be great. <laughs> so, Is that what they did? Is that what happened with that? Yeah. I, I've never L- seen it. Literally. So yeah. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, cool. Well, there you go. Mighty Ducks. Uh, Mission Impossible. Arthur and the Invisibles. He has some more. He had some uh, uh, directorial efforts that he was also a star in, but uh, I'd never heard of them. So I didn't bother writing them down because we have a lot of casts to go through. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of hockey left. We're moving on. Emilio Estevez. <laughs> maybe you've heard of him. Wasn't in Platoon. That's definitely not his brother. So yeah, it's his brother. I feel like people know that, right? No, they do. Yeah. Okay. So because like because uh, what Martin Sheen's real name is Ramon Estevez. Yep. And Emilio Estevez wanted to make it without the Sheen name, so he kept you know Emilio Estevez, but then Charlie Sheen took the Sheen name to kind of like, like align doesn't himself. Give a fuck. With, He's like, yeah, he wanted to align himself. Tiger blood. With, yeah. Well. He's got a lot of like stuff going on, but yeah, that, there you go. That was it. Um, <laughs> anyhow, yeah, this has been Emilio Estevez. Next up is Brett as played by Laura Harrington. Um, not a lot of notable credits. Uh, the adventures of Buckaroo Bonsai across the eighth dimension. A couple episodes of quantum leap. What's eating Gilbert grape. Um, the devil's advocate, which you'd brought up. The devil's advocate is something that you might want to do for the podcast. Which I'm not sure if that fits the theme, but maybe yeah, one day we can like, get there. Yeah, it's late nineties. But it's, it's like <laughs> it's a it's a it's a good movie. It's it's good. It's a good movie for sure. For sure. Um Polly. <laughs> Speaking of the devil's advocate, Polly. Yeah. The heartwarming story about a parrot. Yeah. Uh, and then her most recent credit was a nineteen ninety-nine episode of Providence. So she's been inactive for some time. Um she also has some writing credits too, but again, we have a lot of people to go through. Can't yeah, cover she's everything. Li- she's living off that poly money, so she's fine. She's doing great off that poly money. You know, I, I think I had that movie on VHS, and because I, I think I was right at that age limit where I was a little bit too old for animal comedies, <laughs> but also like still wanted to watch heartwarming animal comedies. Now, if you show me an animal comedy, I swear to God, I will blow this planet up. Don't even show me cute animal because someone had me like i waited several years waited and and then someone showed me marley and me and that was devastating so i'm never gonna watch a heartwarming animal comedy ever again that's why i like movies with like sharks attack people (laughs) instead (laughs) give me cold-blooded animal comedies anyhow (laughs) all right what was i saying oh yeah next person uh as, as bubba hendershot as played by pat hingle who uh, has a habit of calling everyone else Bubba, which made it very confusing to understand that he was in fact Bubba. Well, he more says it is an idiosyncrasy, right? Like at the end, like they have to punctuate certain sentences. Yeah. I, I, I didn't really know why he would say Bubba like that. He would often say it at yeah. the end of a sentence, like he was addressing somebody. Right. The captions would treat it like a direct address, a comma, and then the name, but he right. is in fact Bubba. I don't know. We can get yeah. into a debate about it later, but important thing is Alfred Hitchcock presents one episode. Hang 'em High, one of the more uh, challenging to watch in modern times versions of Clint Eastwood westerns, uh, of Mice and Men, Sudden Impact, an episode of Amazing Stories, uh, one episode of Matlock, but I was unable to confirm if it's the one with the ghost, um, The Land Before <laughs> Time. Uh, oh, you might have known him as uh, Commissioner Gordon in Batman. The night. 19- no, Frice, four times. 
He did all of them? He did all of them. He's like Alfred in that regard. He was Commissioner Gordon in all of them, dude. They kind of just stepped on my surprise. But yeah, no, he's... But like, yeah, he... Throughout the years of going from Burton to Schumacher, he was Commissioner Gordon all along. Batman, Batman Returns, Batman Forever, and Batman and Robin. Wow. Yeah, so he's like what Alfred... I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Goo? Goof? Goff? Anyways, the guy who played Alfred throughout all four of those movies as well. Uh, did I say the I said the land before time. Uh, mm-hmm. Murder she wrote. <laughs> he was in three different episodes as three different characters, so really scraping the barrel there. Uh, the Quick and the Dead, uh, Larger Than Life, which is a heartwarming elephant movie. Uh, the The Shining miniseries, uh, Muppets from Space, and then also kind of linking up with uh, Richard Roundtree, uh, Shaft. The 2000 Shaft, he was in that. That was what? Was that the last movie Richard Roundtree was in? No, he was in Talladega Nights. He was in um, a couple other ones. No, 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 no. The last movie that we talked about. Oh. Yes. No, yeah, I know he's in other movies besides that. I just meant the last movie. <laughs> the last movie for us, not for the Earth. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, next up is the most annoying character in this movie, Connie, as played by Yardley Smith. Is it Yardley? 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 Sure. The entire planet will know her as Lisa Simpson on all Simpsons content. <laughs> She's been playing Lisa Simpson for decades, and it seems like every supplemental appearance, at least many of them. Um, so I only put a few of her like uh, higher profile items, an episode of Tales from the Dark Side. As you can see, my idea of higher profile is kind of weird. But yeah, she was an episode <laughs> of Tales from the Dark Side. Uh, City Slickers which does have Billy Crystal in it. Uh, it does. <laughs> uh, We're back a dinosaur story. And Great. then, <laughs> yes, it is. And then the last one I put is the chaperone a movie, a uh, attempt to try to get Paul Levesque, the same kind of, uh, you know, heartwarming comedy, tough guy, comedy movie that you get out of like the rock or John Cena. Uh, Paul Levesque is triple H in case you didn't know. So I don't know who she played in the chaperone, but I just saw that and I had to mention it because, you know, Triple H, he didn't quite make it, did he? <laughs> so Not as an actor. No, I mean, he's yeah, he's great in the, the wrestling content, but he could yeah. never make that transition, even though he did his best in Blade Trinity. Um, he, he did OK. <laughs> I didn't say he did well. I said he did his best. Be nice. <laughs> he could kill us. He could, but, you know, we're not his agent. Anyways, next up is Curtis, as played by John Short. Um, Some real high-profile stuff for him. Apollo 13, Ransom, uh, Shiloh 2, Shiloh Season, the direct-to-video sequel to Shiloh. Uh, 102 Dalmatians, Puppies to the Rescue, which I believe is a video game. Uh, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, the Jim Carrey one. Uh, Christmas with the Cranks. The Tim Allen one. And his most recent item is Transient, which came out in 2020. And looks like a horror movie because it had a skeleton head on the cover. It's a video game. What? Mm-hmm. Is it scary? Yes. Well, then, still scary. It's still horror. Didn't look like a video game. It's uh, it's tagged as HP Lovecraft meets Cyberpunk. Oh, those are two things that don't mix. Interesting. Well going to table that for another discussion because next up is deke the child lead of this movie 
as played by Holter Graham. Now, he has some bangers here. So, Two Evil Eyes, which we brought up last episode. Uh, Fly Away Home, which I think is a geese-centered, heartwarming animal story. Uh, the Warriors video game. Uh, Grand Theft Auto Liberty City Stories. Now, taking a break from Rockstar video games, he does Dear John, which I think has like Channing Tatum in it or something. Then back to Rockstar for Manhunt 2, Red Dead Redemption, Grand Theft Auto 5, and Red Dead Redemption 2. So, hey, you important. want to talk about <laughs> a fucking wild ride? That Those Manhunt games are something else. When they came out, they were so violent and so notorious for being violent that my mother wouldn't allow me to get them which is like one of the only times that she's ever put her foot down in such a way. They're still hard to play. Like in terms of mechanics or in terms of uh, ultra violence? In terms of like moral fortitude. <laughs> yeah, they were notorious for that, for being difficult to deal with. Didn't yeah. they have to get around the uh, the uh, ESRB's ratings uh, that wanted to do the adult only because of how like gruesome the kills were? So in order to get around it, they uh, did that grainy thing where it looks like the footage is coming through a camera in the room while you do like the actual murders. Yeah, it goes to like a smut film angle. Yeah, like or which like, which honestly makes it worse. Snuff <laughs> snuff film. Yeah, thank you. Smut film is a different thing. You wouldn't thing. know what that means. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho, but yeah, that's the uh, that's what that one that one is. So. Yep. And he also was in N, which I didn't realize they made a movie out of N. So I looked it up and it, it looks like it's just a short film. But N was a super interesting uh, Stephen King short story that was in. I think it was in Full Dark, No Stars, one of his short story collections. I can't remember which one, though. He has so many and they're all so good. So um, I don't know if there's any way to get a hold of that, but I would like to see it. Next up is Wanda June. A very Stephen King name for a character. <laughs> Wanda yeah. June, as played by Ellen McElduff. McElduff. Um, now, she's got... Now, here, strap in, buddy. Because I did some research here. So, she was in Christmas Evil, JFK. She was in Homicide Life on the Street for 15 episodes. She was in Homicide Life on the Street, the movie. She was in Law and Order, which is in the same universe as Homicide Life on the Street, as we know, because Detective Munch made the move from Homicide Life on the Street to Law and Order SVU. But in those two episodes of Law and Order, she played two different characters, not the same character. But then she has an appearance in Law and Order SVU where she's playing the same character from Homicide Life on the Street, but she has a different last name, suggesting that she got divorced from Detective Munch. So anyone who knows the lore of SVU, let me know if that's the case. But that's what it looks like to me is what happened. And I took the time to write it down. So now you have to hear it. <laughs> so. A lot of drama you're bringing in. I know, man. I took it. You know, I do my due diligence. Y'all don't think I do, but I do. It's fair. Sorry to mute myself for a second there. Next up is Handy. Uh, which the closed captions insisted on calling Andy. Even though you told me before this recording there is a character named Andy and I had no idea who he is and still don't. Um, Handy, as played by Frankie Faison, 
he is the original driver of the evil, the the big bad in this, which is the Green Goblin truck. Yeah, the um, toy truck. Oh, yeah, the happy, happy toys with a Z. Um, but yeah, so he's been in so many things. Uh, Cat People, Chud, Exterminator 2, The Money Pit, Man. Okay, so here's a fun thing. He was in Manhunter, uh, The Silence of the Lambs, uh, Hannibal, Red Dragon, which is an adaptation of the same novel as Manhunter. So he was in all of those adaptations of like, uh, what is it? Thomas Harris's like, like Hannibal books. Mm. He's like, there can't be that many actors that are in all of those. Um, but then some other good stuff coming to America, do the right thing. One episode of Monsters, the companion series to uh, Tales from the Dark Side. Um, the Langoliers, um, Gods and Generals. The overlong movie about Stonewall Jackson, uh, <laughs> uh, White Chicks, uh, Luke Cage, and most recently he was uh, in The Rookie and The Rookie Feds, where The Rookie Feds was like a spinoff of The Rookie, and he is the father of the main character of that. So like I actually remembered him in those things. So I was like, oh man, is he still working? I guess not now. They canceled The Rookie Feds, but I'm sure he'll find work. So you go, Frankie Faison, Faison, Faison. I don't know how it's pronounced. Sure. You did it. Proud of you. Well, so, so many people to go. All right. Next up, <laughs> Camp Lohman, as played by Christopher Murney. He was in Slapshot. Very famous hockey movie. Have you heard of it? One of the best movie of all time. Yeah, I know. I know you've heard of it. He was in Barton Fink, which I don't know what that is, but there's a thing in his article that said best known for Slapshot and Barton Fink. And I'm like, I've never heard of Barton Fink. That's what he's best known for. But he has some pretty cool video game credits. Uh, Red Dead Revolver, Land of the Dead, Road to Fiddler's Green, Neverwinter Nights 2, and Red Dead Redemption. So there you go. Important video game credits, at least. Yeah. Next up is Duncan. Uh, the uh, short-lived father of Deke as played by JC Quinn. Now here's, here's a question for you, a little trivia question of my own here. Did we cover JC Quinn when we did another movie where he was featured as a character? Do you know? Are you, is this a quiz or like, what do we, it's more like a, do you remember him? Do you remember him existing? Yeah. In Chud? Yeah. Did, I did not remember him. He was did Murphy. We... Oh, he was Murphy. That's right. Did we cover was it, him? Was this a trick question? Oh, we we briefly like skipped over him. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. I don't want to like do do JC Quinn twice, but I also want to do JC Quinn dirty either. Well, so like, look, I think out of all of his movies, this is the one he's the most famous for, and uh, like his IMDb like screenshot is. Like when he dies in this movie, spoiler. What? Yeah. Well, the reason that I said it is because I, I save all of my documents from all of our previous episodes, but for some reason, my uh, my Chud cast and crew notes are just gone, and I have no idea where they are. Oh no. Yeah, like it's embarrassing for me. I, I am embarrassed for you. I do. I'm embarrassed. I'm just said I'm embarrassed for me. Well, anyway, I'll cover them real fast then. Uh, Hooch, but not of Turner and uh, Chud, Twisted. Oh, wait, Turner and Hooch. He's also in that. 
So he's in two different Hooch movies. Uh, Days of Thunder, The Prophecy, but not the one with the monster bears. The one with Christopher Walken as an angel trying to murder everyone. Uh, Primary Colors and The Abyss. So there you go. J.C. Quinn. America's Sweetheart. Uh, Next up is Joey. Uh, as played by Pat Miller, who's apparently best known for his stand-up comedy. Um, he was in a movie called Terror of the Night. It looked, looked pretty sick. But then most of the other stuff is going to be video game credits. Uh, Resident Evil 3 Nemesis. Dino Crisis 2. <laughs> sorry. Serious Sam Second Encounter. And Mafia 3. I'm sorry I laughed about Dino Crisis 2. <laughs> but man, that game is so good. I wish they would... Like Capcom keeps remaking all the Resident Evils. Give some love to the Dino Crisises, dude. People have been people have been clamoring. Um, but if you don't, if I guess you forget that it, that was a survival horror game. So, what Dino Crisis? Yeah, Dino Crisis One was. Yeah, Dino Crisis Two was like a arcade action game, dude. It was so different. Well, people want people want Dino Crisis One, and I don't think my blood pressure could handle that sort of anxiety. People want Dino Crisis 1. I want Dino Crisis 2. That's fair. Anyways, but he, uh, so Pat Miller also is known for stunts in a little movie called Eight-Legged Freaks, which despite my hatred for spiders is a movie that I unabashedly loved. So, you know, the one with David Arquette and ScarJo's mm-hmm. in it. Oh, yeah. And maybe someone else in this movie is also in it. Well, let's find out. Who's next on the list? Brad, as played by Leon Rippey. Brad, a character who uh, I didn't even look into because I didn't know his name until he dies in this movie. But then I found out he's in tons of stuff. Is that who I'm talking about? Well, yes, Shane. Yes, it is. (laughs) Shane, don't interrupt me while I'm pretending to ask you questions. (laughs) They should know this is a monologue at this point. All right, Shane, do you know who I'm talking about? Now you can answer. Oh, oh, sorry. Yes. Brad. Yes, it's Brad. Brad. Yes. Uh, So, yeah, Leon Rippey. uh, He's in Firestarter, King Kong Lives, Young Guns 2, Universal Soldier, two episodes of Diagnosis Murder, uh, Stargate, The Patriot, where his character has a very sad end. Eight-legged freaks? Wait, is he the the douchebag mayor of the town in Eight-legged freaks, Shane? I don't know. Is he? He is, yeah. That's a good... You don't know Eight Legged Freaks with David Arquette and Dougie Doug? I love that movie. <laughs> I feel like I'm the only person on earth that even remembers it. No way. The the when they he actually does the line for the the title. Like I was like, come on. He's kicking him off. They're like climbing up that tower. Yeah, when they're on the tower at Dougie Doug's like radio station. Yeah. He's like, you know, get away from you eight legged freaks. Yeah, get he back says it. Eight legged freaks. Yeah, get back. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah, he says the thing. He says the name. It's a title drop. Then there's the badass like dirt bike scenes where the spiders are eating the dirt bike people. The jumping spiders are grabbing them. Yeah. Yeah. That's like my second favorite sequence. My favorite sequence in that movie is um, when the people are leaving the diner to try to run to their cars and all the trapdoor spiders are coming up and grabbing them from the parking lot. That was hard to watch. That was rad. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, despite how much uh, I'm terrified of spiders, love that movie. Um, But yeah, back to Leon Rippey. Um, also, the Alamo, the Lone Ranger, Under the Dome, eleven twenty two sixty three, and then also the Deadwood series and subsequent movie. And that's all the main characters. But for once, I'm going to actually grab up a real quick side character who's credited as video player. Do you know why I'm going to grab up this character, Shane? 
I do, but I'm not going to ruin it. It'd be really funny if you did, though, just step on my toes. <laughs> like, I ruined all of your other jokes. Just go for it. Uh, he's played by Giancarlo Esposito. What? Who, yeah, who back in 1986, probably not that high profile, but now he's in, like, what, everything? <laughs> you know, Breaking Bad, Harley Quinn as Lex Luthor, like uh, uh, TMNT, Mutant Mayhem, The Mandalorian, uh, obviously Better Call Saul, uh, The Boys, Far Cry 6. Like, that dude, like, you can't even, like, turn around without him being in something and also probably very menacing in it. So very funny to see him as, like, a young man trying to steal cigarettes who gets murdered by an arcade machine. <laughs> Spoiler alert. So, um, Giancarlos Esposito is in a show I love, Revolution. And honestly, the show's not good. He is so good in it, it makes the show better. He is such a great villain. I he mean, is, yeah. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah, it's one of those things, like, those, uh, like, uh, post-apocalyptic sort of shows are really hard to pull off. Yep. Like I'm only convinced that something like walking dead went on for as long as it did because, uh, they had, they used like such minimalist sets most of the time. And sometimes that was actually to the detriment because in like season two of the walking dead, everyone's like, get away from the farmhouse. Like, nah, it's in the budget, baby. We're staying at the farmhouse. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, Giancarlo Esposito, man, it's crazy to see. Because I didn't recognize him at first, but when I saw him in the credits, I went and rewatched it a couple of times. I was like, "That's him." I I didn't notice it. I didn't notice him until he it got zapped, and then I'm like, "Wait a minute!" And I rewound it, and I'm like, "Holy shit!" You don't really see his face very well until the machine starts to hypnotize yeah. him. From those places, it's like running around grabbing stuff because like all the right. machines are going haywire. <laughs> yep. So, yeah. There, there you have it. That is the cast. And the crew, or at least Whoa. as much as we're going to cover, I guess I probably should mention the uh, cinematographer, right? Because you remember that story about the cinematographer in this? Or did you read about that at all? I don't remember. There's a lot going on. Yeah, so there's a stunt in this where the cinematographer essentially... So most of the vehicles are controlled by radio control. And mm-hmm. there's a scene where they're doing a radio controlled uh, push lawnmower that was moving... And they had a shot that was right by where the blades are. And Mm -hmm. uh, the cinematographer insisted that they remove the blades and Stephen King being, he was abusing substances at the time. He was not in a good place, insisted that they keep it the way it is, despite warnings from both the cinematographer and from like the special effects crew, basically it hit a block of wood and it hit the eye of the cinematographer and basically blinded him in that eye. Wow. Yeah. So it was a, a Armando Nanuzzi, uh, an Italian cinematographer um, who was, you know, he was worried that it would affect his career. He apparently still worked even after that, um, but not as much as he had before. But he thought it had ended his career. Um, but interestingly enough, he did uh, return to finish the film after that happened. But at the same time, he did sue Stephen King and like Dino De Laurentiis afterwards, uh, probably rightfully so, because they cost him his eye. Yeah, I mean, someone had to come back and keep an eye on things. Wow. Anyways, but uh, the only things that he did that were of any interest to me were like uh, Silver Bullet and then like Frankenstein Unbound. Like he did some other really weird stuff. Like if you ever want to see the Magnificent Cuckold, he apparently was a cinematographer on that. 
but I don't know what that is, so I won't vouch for it. Sure, you could guess. <laughs> Pretty good <laughs> guess. All right. Well, that covers the cast and crew. Um, should we move on to the next thing? Sure. It's time what for the that? what? What is it? Okay. Yes, thank you for queuing me up, Shane. It is the <laughs> plot description. Lengthy music break. <laughs> you mean lengthy? It's it's slightly lengthy. It's like usually like a, 30, like thirty seconds. What yeah, thirty seconds. Yeah, just enough for you to go up and get another drink. So I'm I'm looking out for you, folks. Yeah, but we don't do it live. Also, conveniently the same length for an ad spot. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, sure. We, <laughs> as soon as we get advertisements, we'll be doing that. Yeah, um, Pizza Hut, get at me. Pizza. Ew. Well, yeah, I mean, it's fine, I guess. I mean, no no one else is going to pay us. Well, the good thing about being paid by pizza is you're also paid by Taco Bell and AFC. Three and birds, Pepsi. one stone. Well, yeah, Pepsi, too. And Mountain Dew Baja Blast. <laughs> <laughs> what were we talking about again? Oh, yeah, we're doing the plot description of this movie. <laughs> Smash Cut 2. Trucks. But no, that's, that's the story. <laughs> also, by the way, I'm going to not remember so many of these trucks. The only one that stands out to me is Green Goblin truck. So you jump in if there's a truck of interest that you want to talk about. You're speaking my fucking language, pal. I knew it. I knew it. All right. So opening credits. Uh, ben, there's like yellow letters that start on a starry sky until it shows us Earth. And then some letters come up explaining that in June of 1987... Earth passed into a rogue comet's tail and would remain in the tail of that comet for eight days, five hours, 29 minutes, and 23 seconds. Yeah, the 23 seconds seemed a little specific. Especially the tidbit we get at the end of the movie. Do you want to know the funniest part about this, actually? Yeah. Beyond the, the exactness of uh, comet science? So, I when I was reading, like, I like to read the Wikipedia uh, articles for these movies just to like kind of get me mm. prepped when I'm watching them. So I don't lose track of the plot while I'm taking my notes and stuff like that. Um, so, cause that happens to me no matter how many times I watch it, I often lose track of it while I'm noting, like making notes of it. The date is definitely in June of 1987 in the opening text crawl, but the Wikipedia article says July 19th, 1987. <laughs> like where the hell did she get that date? It's not even the same date as the opening crawl. And like no one has fixed it on their Wikipedia article. Stephen King did it. <laughs> Why? To get it closer to my birthday? I was I was born in July of 1987, Shane. That's when I was. That's what he told me when I interviewed him for this podcast. So, if you, if you had an interview with Stephen King for this podcast and you did not invite me, I would I would be so mad I'd, I'd be so mad i couldn't even think of a funny thing to say to tell you how mad i would be <laughs> i was too flustered by the fairy idea anyways back to the comet 
Also, how weird is it that there's so many uh, horror movies in the 80s themed around comets? Because we had, you know, we had Life Force, which we already covered. Mm -hmm. There's Night of the Comet, which I watched at your house when you guys were like weightlifting or whatever. So that's I mean, I guess that's only three comet based horror movies, but that's like three more comet based horror movies than since pretty much. That's fair. <laughs> I'm here. I'm asking the hard hitting journalistic questions, Shane. You have to accept it. Finally, someone is <laughs> finally someone is questioning this comment. Someone's stuff. stepping up to do the hard work. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, so we see Earth engulfed in an animated green hue, which will come up often at night during the movie, which I guess is the tale of the comet. Um, then cut to Wilmington, North Carolina. Maybe you've heard of it. Um, I've heard of it because one of my growing up, one of my mom's friends had a house there. So I used to visit in Wilmington, North Carolina. So if you haven't heard of it, not as important, but it exists. Uh, so we see outside of a bank and it's one of those bank signs, those digital signs that tell you the temperature and, you know, the time. But then it starts flashing. Fuck you over and over again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which is actually so pretty funny. It's, yes, it is. And then a guy goes to the ATM and it's Stephen King. Right. And his cameo appearance. And the message on the on the ATM's like like display is you are an asshole. And then this flashes asshole over and over and over again. And he just turns around and is like, honey, this machine is calling me an asshole. Which is so funny because we know later these machines are killing people. It's like they're per they're taking it personally, man. These these machines are jags. Um, music starts up, and what is the what is the needle drop chain? Why it's ACDC's Who Made Who? Sorry, I didn't give you a chance to answer. Did you want to answer? No, no, good. <laughs> it's ACDC's Who Made Who. <laughs> so then we get the actual credits, not the opening crawl from space. Uh, and it continues as we see uh, a bunch of vehicles driving over one of those bridges that uh, like break in the middle. Like they, there's a control person was a bascule bridge. Yep. Um, so like a bunch of cars going over that and knowing that those are controlled mechanically, we can surmise that this is going to go poorly. Uh, and guess what? The men who control the bridge uh, aren't even paying attention. They're playing cards, Shane. They're so complacent around machinery that has the hand so many lives in its hands and they don't notice yeah. that the machines have begun to operate themselves apparently the one guy doesn't know how to play <laughs> what were they playing i don't know they make that comment yeah i wasn't really paying too much attention to them i was paying attention to the buttons that were moving on their own as if controlled mm. by a force from beyond the stars uh so yeah so uh the lights that warn people don't trigger because apparently they were different buttons and the alien waves that control this didn't want to let them know. So cars continue to drive as the bridge starts to rise up. And it's basically just a really long sequence of like gratuitous destruction. Like <laughs> people just falling. Some cars slide down onto other cars. A lady just goes straight through her windshield. Uh, a motorcyclist falls into the water because he was very close to the top. Uh, a truck at the top was like bridging the gaps of the bridge as it went and falls through. Uh, I put in my notes a ton of gratuitous shots of watermelons falling because there's like a watermelon truck inexplicably there. 
mm-hmm. and just dumps watermelons on everybody everywhere. Yes. So many watermelons An ACDC van, which you mentioned earlier is involved. Um, and uh, there's a website it's called like, uh, how many people die and they counted up the number of people who die in the scene. It's so many, it's like more than almost the rest of the movie combined. And I was just like, I was like, I don't remember all of these people dying. It's like talking about like, yeah, I don't know that scene where the kid rides through the neighborhood. There's no way that this had more deaths than that. Well, because it was saying some of the cars that fell onto and crushed the other ones, they said it's implied that they died, but they also said the motorcycle guy died. And I was like, he just fell into the river. He's probably fine. He's going to swim away. Everyone knows that if you ride a motorcycle, you can't swim. (laughs) Well, they actually put in parentheses debatable. I was like, yeah, I'm going to debate the hell out of that. But okay, so this is an aside. And if you want to cut it, fine. But also on that website, it's like a wiki, right? Like it's like a wiki where people like tally up the the deaths in a movie. Uh, It also includes the sentient vehicles and and devices among the dead. So that was what I was going to ask you. (laughs) Are we considering the vehicles as characters? That's what it, it puts like like the first time I saw it's like sentient uh, uh, sentient electric knife and I was like wait what it's like Bill crushes it with a hammer I'm like wait you count the knife so it counts all of the vehicle like living vehicles as but, characters because like, some cars don't react and some do so it's like are the ones that don't react to the comet are they characters or are they just inanimate objects uh you know. I think we. Could I had spend... a, I had a very deep internal conversation with myself about this. Philosophers because... has, have philosophers have spent centuries debating whether or so not. So why why does this matter to us, Stefan? <laughs> because if we have to pick the McMurder of the movie, do we consider car murder a thing, or uh, electric knife murder for that matter? Exactly. Or a drive-through intercom murder. Yeah. Where does it stop? Where does it end? Indeed. Or Brad? I don't know. <laughs> or Brad. No, not Brad. <laughs> Definitely not Brad. That dude had it coming. Anyways, we'll get there. But yeah, no, the question is like, what counts as alive? But I think that we've established before that we prefer not to have the villain of the movie be the the murder of the movie, even though there's been some rad villain murders. And I think it's hard to argue that the sentient uh, sentient vehicles and technology are not the villains of the movie. <laughs> Man, I have an argument for you later, so it's gonna be a fun time. Here we I go. I can't let's, wait. Let's rock and roll, as ACDC would in, uh, instruct us to do. Yeah, for those <laughs> about to rock. Yeah, salute. Uh, anyways, yeah, vehicle constant. Ve- like this scene lasts so long. So many people get crushed by vehicles. Uh, yeah. The guys working the control room are upset, understandably so. They're gonna lose their jobs, probably their lives though, because of the mass uh, murders that are about to occur at the hands of technology. Uh, so that's, that scene ends. We get the introduction of the Green Goblin truck or the Happy Toys with a Z truck. But it's the Green Goblin. It's like the Green Goblin face. And I still don't understand how they got the rights to do that. But apparently Marvel knew about it. Like they were fine with it at the time. Um, But that, the character on the grill of that truck is clearly the Green Goblin. Right. Um, yeah. So as the truck arrives, there are two mechanics that are sitting around at a truck stop talking about baseball. Uh, the driver, Handy, not Andy, as the uh, closed captions would have you believe, uh, goes into the diner and while he, and he waits for the mechanics to fill up his truck. Um, before he went in, he did show off like, look at this face on this thing. 
He's like, hey, I'm not sure how that's street legal, but it also makes for a good villain for the movie, so I'm not going to question it. Right. Um, in the diner, uh, the waitress, Wanda June, is talking about how the radio has started going bananas. Uh, it's going to be a common theme in these early parts of the apocalypse is the radio is hard to get. Even though later on, they also listen very much to radio broadcasts that explain what's happening. I don't know. I don't make the rules. Stephen King does, and he was coked out of his goddamn mind. Um, Emilio Estevez's bill is cooking uh, eggs until he's called away by his boss, who will later learn is Bubba Hendershot. We know he's Bubba Hendershot because he's listed in the credits as such, not because anyone uh, often addresses him that way, because he frequently addresses everyone else as Bubba. Or says Bubba at the end of sentences is some kind of nervous tick. Uh, in the game room, all the arcade machines. If it seems like I'm cutting around a lot, that's not my fault. The movie did this to us. Right. And then there's like inexplicable scenes of just nothing. Yes. Yes. That's what I was telling you. I think I said it before this recorded is like, or before we started recording is there's so much at the beginning and so much at the end in the middle, a lot of nah, nothing just like meandering. Yep. Uh, in the in the game room, all of the arcade machines are acting up. The pinball machine is going bonkers. The coffee machine is shooting coffee all over the place. The cigarette machine is dropping cigarettes. That's about all it can do is drop cigarettes, but it's doing it. It's showing you what for. Uh, meanwhile, out by the truck, uh, the Green Goblin truck, uh, the gas pump uh, stops distributing the diesel. Uh, Duncan the character who's refueling it takes the pump out and uh, it isn't working. So he decides the most reasonable thing to do if it isn't working is to turn it to his face. Uh, yeah, totally. Yeah. Which leads to it shooting diesel fuel into his eyeballs, uh, blinding him. I don't know if he's full blind, but it won't matter. He's going to die before too long. Uh, the other mechanics call Bubba. Who's in the middle of his meeting with bill and he dismisses the incident, telling them to flush Duncan's eyes out with water, uh, which doesn't seem to work very well if they indeed do it. Um, but yeah, so Bubba uh, is essentially so Bill is uh, on parole, right? Well, yes. he he has two things against him. One, he's a college. Yeah. He's, a, he's a college boy, which Bubba hates it because it's the South. We don't like college education there. And then number two. um. He is on, is it probation or parole? I thought he was on parole. Yeah, maybe. Yep. Cause I thought he, he had a felony record. For, I believe you for robbery, but anyways. Yeah. So I thought he was on parole, but in any case, Bubba is stressing the fact that he is uh, basically entirely dependent on him. Um, so he explains that there's like what a star on, on Bill's time card and what he wants him to, he says like, that's the star that means that you belong to me. And when you, clock in i want you to clock out what is it clock in for eight but work for nine he wants him to basically work for free for an extra right. hour uh which is wage theft and is a felony as well or at least if it's not it should be should be a capital offense if you ask me but anyways <laughs> uh so bill goes out to the hall putting his time card back and notices how many other time cards have a star designating that they are also parolees so Bubba is a crook. If you didn't, if you didn't guess that already, don't worry. There's going to be more things to indicate that he's less than reputable. Um. Oh, uh, the customer whose eggs were being constructed asks about the status of them. Uh, Wanda June had moved back to take over the eggs for uh, Bill 
at Bubba's insistence. But Wanda June is attacked by the electric carving knife. It cuts into her arm. And then when it's on the ground, it's trying to get her foot. It's going for her, man. But I mean, I get it. <laughs> well, she is very annoying later. Yes, I would. Yeah, def- I would definitely if I was a knife killer later, like right then yeah. she seemed like a normal person. Um, yeah, so Bill like wraps an, a rag around Wanda June's arm. Um, and then one of the patrons is talking about how it's a short circuit, but isn't the knife battery battery operated? <laughs> because it doesn't I, I have think, a yeah. cord. Right. You're so, right. Yeah, it's yeah. not. I don't know if it could be that. Anyways, uh, Bill uh, smashes the hell out of it with a hammer. Carving knife dead. The first of the robots has been destroyed. Alright, um, a real one. Yeah. Meanwhile, in the game room, the individual who we know is Giancarlo Esposito, but is credited as video player, uh, was going around grabbing up like a bunch of the cigarettes that had dropped out of the machine, but becomes mesmerized by the screen on one of the arcade cabinets. Uh, he puts his hand on the machine. Bad move. It electrocutes him with some really bad looking animated electricity effects. Uh, he's dead. Although I will say that when he, when he like falls, he twitches a lot, which is pretty cool looking. Like when Bill comes back to investigate. Right. Uh, I think that the, the twitching of the body afterwards is pretty cool, but the electricity effects, not so much. Um, smash cut to a little league baseball game. Surely there won't be any children murdered, right? No, never. Wait, oh wait, this is Stephen King who loves killing kids. And dogs. <laughs> yeah, he really likes to hurt your feelings. Um uh yeah, so uh the there's a coach who's offering to buy sodas for the uh the kids on his team. Uh but the machine doesn't seem to be working when he goes up to it. One of the kids is like, uh oh, no sodas. Uh no, turns out there's gonna be sodas. Like way more than you want. So the machine <laughs> shoots a soda can at high speed, hitting the man in the nuts. He doubles over, boom, hits him again in the chest. Oh, he goes down on his knees. That was so much. Then what happens? Oh, it's a can to the fucking head. Well, kids are loving the nut shot. By they the did. Way. They thought the nut shot was shot was funny until he gets domed. And they realize what the fuck they realize that something terrible is happening because then the machine continues to machine gun cans at the kids. Yeah. Which causes uh, most of them to flee. Uh, one of them who will later learn is Deke. Uh, he, uh, he stays behind to survey the dying coach. He like gets down and like army crawls below the barrage of machine gun soda cans. Um, he gets to the, the coach, uh, and then what the coach is like still like barely alive. He has like a huge round bloody hole in his head. And he's like, right. Basically dying. But then as he goes to run, we see that two of the little league players are also dead from the barrage of cans. Yeah. So there's two dead kids. Just a lovely Sunday. Right. Anyways, <laughs> next up is like one of the kids is like trying to flee on his bicycle, but he like biffs it on like, I guess a hole in the, he's like in the, the outfield. He like seems to like biff it on like a hole in the in the outfield and smash through like the scoreboard in the back comes a steamroller and it just mows this kid down. Yeah, it does. Like like a steamroller just straight over this kid, man. Like push pops this kid. No matter how many times I think I'm ready for that scene, I am never quite ready for it. 
And apparently no, like, it was supposed to be way more gruesome. Well, I like how they did the hands thing where the hands went up like the like he's going like to protect the, himself. Yeah, like yeah, like yeah, that, yeah, that'll show him. Right. So, so apparently they had like a bunch of blood squeegees they wanted to do because Stephen King's vision was after the uh, after the uh, steamroller had mowed by, there'd be like a big, long, like bloody, like squish on the on the grass. Yeah. But because of how it was set up, it went all the way to the end and then exploded out of the kid's head with a burst of blood. It's awesome. And yes, yeah, so metal. But like the sensors were like, absolutely not. They would not allow it. So, absolutely not. So it was cut. I don't know if that scene survived. I hope so. I would love to see it if it was a deleted scene somewhere. But yes, apparently, apparently the MPAA draws the line. And a kid's head exploding with blood smashed out of it after being run over by a uh, by a, a steamroller. But you have to imagine that's how it would actually be. It's like a big tube of toothpaste, right? Yeah, pro- probably. <laughs> it's gotta be. It's gotta be. Um. Yeah. So, uh, what's next? Uh, Deke gets on his bike and he's just out of there. He's done. He's done. Zilla. That was too much for him. Next cut. Some like Bible salesman dude who I think his name is camp Loman. Try assume that like the Loman thing is a reference to uh death of a salesman, but um, camp Loman is, is, is driving uh, while singing some kind of hymn. He has a female hitchhiker with him who we will later learn is Brett. Uh, and of course, despite the fact that he's a Bible salesman singing a religious song, he does attempt to put his hand on her leg. But she rejects the advance. Um, she's tinkering with the radio because, again, we've mentioned that the radios are going nuts. Uh, she is trying to find uh, they finally find one that explains random occurrences and warns people off of major highways because, you know, because cars and trucks are murdering people. Uh, but Camp Loman, the Bible salesman, he's too busy trying to cop a feel. So he puts his hand on his on her leg again. Uh, and she tells him if he doesn't move his hand, he'll be wiping his ass with a hook, uh, implying yeah. <laughs> that she will remove it. Uh, he is offended by her language, not by his actions, but by her language. Just, he says something like, he's like, oh, people wouldn't talk like that back in my day. It's like, Ugh, well, cool, man. Uh, but then she like, like after hearing what the radio said, she grabs the wheel and basically forces him to pull over and it's at the same truck stop. What is it? The Dixie boy truck stop is the name of the truck stop for this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was a kind of interesting situation because apparently they constructed this outside of, uh, outside of Wilmington and a lot of truck drivers believed it was real and would pull up. So they had to like put up signs to explain that it's for a movie. <laughs> um, so what's next? Um, we're at the camp. Oh, yeah, yeah. So Camp Loman is yelling at Brett. He's going on like a long like incel rant rant about how uh, uh, women aren't like you used to be like this. Nowadays, women are different or something like that. I didn't know what he was saying because I was too focused on the fact that the Green Goblin truck had come to life and it was driving at him. And Brett, for some reason, decides to save him and pulls him out of the way. So Camp Loman doesn't die at the hands of Green Goblin truck yet um in the diner of the truck stop 
Uh, everyone's talking about Handy's truck. Uh, he explains that whoever did it must be like an expert hot wire, hot wirer, expert at hot wiring because he still has the keys. So, uh, you know, there you go. Uh, someone says uh, Hell's Bells, which isn't time for the song to play yet. But yeah, I, just not yet. Was, I just thought it was funny. Anyhow, next cut is to a car driving down the road containing newlyweds, Kurt and Connie. Oh no, is that Connie, the most annoying character in this entire damn movie? Yes, it is. Uh, so they need to get gas, and Connie needs a restroom break, so they pull over. Uh, they go to the gas station and notice a corpse, and Connie screams at the sight of it, because uh, the dude is crushed as all hell. And will this be... Hey, Shane. Hey, Shane, question. Will this okay. be the last of Connie's screams? Uh, of course not. <laughs> He's you got- know, when you... When you find out it's Lisa Simpson, you can't unhear it. No. Yeah, it's true. I'm like, I know that voice from somewhere. And I, I looked it up and I'm like, oh my God. Mercifully, mercifully, as Lisa Simpson, she does not scream all the time. Every other scene. Yeah, thank God. Yeah, her scream is the most annoying thing on earth. Um, So I guess like after that, uh, Curtis is walking around. He's doing a little bit of detective work. He like sees a bloody handprint on the side of the building and blood spatter on the wall above, suggesting the dude was crushed while trying to flee into the building. Hmm. What an interesting tale. Also, the clock doesn't seem to be evil. Yet. So this this occurred to me. I don't know if it occurred to you, but like if everything that's mechanical becomes evil, shouldn't clocks be evil? Yeah, and then like flashlights. Like I, I don't know. Like I feel like they're like <laughs> I kind of uh, clocks already are evil because they tell me that I'm late to work all the time. Right. Like if they, were, if they were bros, they tell me I was early. Yeah. Right. <laughs> they would just change time for you. Why wouldn't they? It's just relative, right? Yeah. Those <laughs> bastards. That's why clocks are evil. <laughs> so anyways, uh, oh, a tow truck starts up and starts to drive. Uh, Kurt is shouting at whoever is in it. Uh, because there's been a murder of some sort here. Uh, apparently not noticing there's no driver in it. Uh, but it charges at Curtis and it hits the pole like the for the like, uh, I guess, the awning of the building. Uh, mm-hmm. And we see the blood spatter on the like the wind, the, the grill, like near the, yeah. the left the headlight, which is probably the thing that is the blood of the dead guy. That's that's some pretty tight editing right there. Uh, so Connie is like, Curtis, are you dead? But he isn't. He jumped out of the way. He's just kind of dirty. <laughs> and that's when he notices there's no driver. Um, so he comes out and he embraces his new wife. Their relief, however, is short-lived because the truck begins to start up again. The engine is attempting to turn over. And Connie, and probably the only smart thing she does in the entire movie, uh, jumps into the driver's seat and yells at Curtis to do the same. Uh, and they drive away as she screams again, because why not? Uh, almost goes the wrong way. Curtis informs her to go the right way. And she screams again about how she's a bad driver. And it's like, Ugh. this is just her. Her screaming almost ruins this movie for you. I'm just going to say it right now. Happens, I bet. happens too often. The mute button does not happen fast enough to save me from it. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, in the arcade, the game room of the truck stop, uh, Bubba is with Joey, uh, who's lighting up his cigar. Joey's a real, a real yes man. You know, 
he's always doing what he's told by Bubba. Um, so uh, he asks if Joey did what he instructed with the dead body, which is to just put it in the basement. Because why not just stack your dead bodies down where your, uh, spoiler alert, illegal weaponry is? Um, Bill, meanwhile, is outside investigating the Green Goblin truck. He notices that there's no one in the driver's seat, which we know. Like, they spend a lot of time trying to explain, wait, there's no one in the driver's seat. So, yeah, dude. Yeah, we get it. Like, move on. Uh, but Bill hears a musical note. He's prepared to confront someone in, like, the back of the cab of the truck. But when he pulls open the curtain, oh, no, it's a jack in the box, also of Green Goblin and also apparently self-controlled. Yeah, inexplicably. I just so simple machines can also be controlled by the the alien waves. Um, Yeah. So uh, while behind the truck, uh, which starts itself, uh, Bill is surprised by Brett. Uh, He informs her that there's no one in the truck. And then uh, she says that he's cute, but not that cute or something. I don't. That was such a weird exchange. Basically, they need to like have like a romantic interest in this. So she's just like, you're real cute. And he's like, oh, yeah, am I cute? And then she's like, yeah, not that cute, though. It's like, oh, it is Emilio Estevez. Did yeah, you like they're on screen? It's a little like it's tough. It's difficult. Yeah, they, they don't have a lot of chemistry. Did you like my Emilio Estevez uh, impression there? It was good. So I know. I'm, just like him. I'm gonna win awards, baby. Finally, 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 oh, finally, get an award for something. <laughs> it's your time to shine. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, that was a very weird uh, interaction they had. But we do finally get to learn Brett's name at that point because she introduces herself. I love the scene because it's like these trucks hate females with males' names. Because as soon as she said, "I'm Brett," and the truck turns on, <laughs> it turns on. It's yeah, it's the engine turns it's over. Like, Jesus Christ! It's like yo, whoa. prejudice. <laughs> Man, let me tell you, uh, those trucks hate Joan of Arc for wearing pants. Yeah, right. They were like, burn that lady now. <laughs> Deep cut for anyone who knows why Joan of Arc was actually burned. It was for wearing pants. Um, anyways, <laughs> real deep cut for you, Joan of Arc fans. Uh, what happened? Where was I at again? Oh, we're back to our boy Deke. Now, here's another sequence that I absolutely love. So he's riding through the neighborhood. Uh, all of the sprinklers turn on as he's riding by them. And then he stops like he realizes it happened and he goes to turn around, but they all turn off at once. To, so as to not show him, they all turned on at once. <laughs> Which is so weird, because uh, would that be suspicious to him if all the sprinklers are on? And also, yeah, so since like- when do these robots care if you know they exist? Yeah, and like they control water now. They control the sprinkler, which is a machine. I guess. I mean, I assumed that was what was happening there. I really don't know. I think it was just a funny like visual gag. And let me tell you, it was. I thought it was very funny. Um so what is it? Uh this is here. There's an over the radio, there's a voiceover talking about how uh uh, machines are going on homicidal rampages all over the world. And uh, Deke sees uh, the carnage because there's, what, somebody dead in a pizza car. Uh, some lady dead in the bushes, c- killed by a lawnmower. There was a dog that was killed by a toy car? Yeah, I was going to say, this. <laughs> that was such a wild... It was a toy police car. How did it even kill him? I don't know. I it, don't know. 
there was a there's a dude killed by a Walkman, which, by the way, so I didn't understand how he was dead. According to that wiki that I saw, they said that it cranked its volume so high that it ruptured his brain. I'm like, how do you know that? I'm like, That's great. Uh, there's a woman killed by her hair dryer uh, on the t- in the top floor of a building, like of a house, like out the window, and she had been choked to death by the hair dryer. So they apparently can move their their power cords. It doesn't matter. Yeah, it's just weird. Like I, I don't understand. The important There's no rhyme or reason. Yeah, it's just they just kill you. Don't worry about it. But I do love those scenes of like all that carnage, just because it's like. One of the things that Stephen King does so well is show the aftermath of horrible disasters. Like, I really right. love that part of like the book, the stand. And then Mick Garris does the same thing in the stand, like showing the aftermath of all this stuff. It's like, yes, yes, I love this. So it's like, I don't even care if it doesn't make sense. It's super cool. And I wish there was more of it. Um, But Deke hears the sound of an ice cream truck coming, which, of course, isn't driven by anyone, as we know. But he, being the only reasonable person in this entire thing who understands what's happening, uh, decides to run and hide in a yard. He doesn't notice the bloody lawnmower, Shane, that's in the yard. Uh, he hides in a bush while the ice cream truck leaves. And uh, the, t- the ice cream truck, I put in my notes the name of it because I thought it was funny. So it's MY-T space TAS-T. My tea tastes tea. Okay. Yeah. How about that? <laughs> how about that? Damn, dude, some... I, I miss that. <laughs> it takes so much work to like, even understand this trying to do a bit, but anyways, <laughs> uh truck drives down the ice cream truck drives down the road. Deke comes out of hiding as soon as it leaves. But of course the lawnmower comes to life and starts to chase him. So he's just going down the road while the lawnmower is like running after him. Smash cut to Bible sales. Camp Loman, the Bible salesman, is trying to sell a Bible to uh, Wanda June and then some other dude or some dude who I guess is probably her husband because I didn't realize that was supposed to be her husband. I'm pretty sure it is. But you said you thought it was. So it's that guy, whoever that guy is. Although it's kind of funny because like Camp Loman is like, let me tell you, this Bible has creation. All the way to the end of the world. It's like, yeah, dude. Like, we know Genesis to Revelation. Are you kidding me? Like, he's like acting like it's some kind of like, let me sell you on this. (laughs) Yeah. It's a limited edition full Bible. Limited edition Bible, including the book of youth where God doesn't even appear one time. Purchase (laughs) this. But yeah, so he's like trying to sell the Bibles. Uh, Then meanwhile, uh, Duncan, now blind, because apparently these guys don't know how to flush eyes out. Uh, when they get hit with a diesel, he's trying to leave because he wants to go get his son, his son, Deke. Spoiler alert. That's the kid. That's Deke. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So Joey's trying to stop. Him. Everyone's trying to stop him. Like Bill's trying to stop him. Joey's trying to stop him. Like Duncan, you're blind. And also machines are murdering people. You can't go out. Uh, Bubba, of course, uh, being the capitalist swine he is. Uh, threatens Duncan's job if he leaves without clocking out. It's like, hey, Bubba, why don't you read the room? Except Bubba's incapable of that. Which, thankfully, Bill threatens uh, Bubba to let go of Duncan or he'll knock his teeth in. So he's like, yeah, mm-hmm. you show him, Bill. You, As a parolee, you threaten him, your employer with physical violence. 
But we are glad oh, yeah. because Bubba is a piece of garbage. But unfortunately, for once, Bill was wrong because as Duncan is leaving one of the semi trunks trucks in the parking lot, I think it was like a trash one, uh, comes to life. And what it, was that for me? Yeah. What was that? Was that for me? You know, you... I think it was a trash truck, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it comes to life, uh, and it 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 starts up, but Duncan is too blind to see. And Bill yells, look out. But guess what? Too late. He gets splatted. And when I say splatted, oh, man, they must have put like a skull, a skull full of like tomato sauce on that fake body because that thing gets demolished. Yeah, he dropped him. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, everyone else flees. Uh, but the truck, you know, it hits uh, the Bible salesman uh, Camp Loman's truck. Um, or his his car, and then it stops and then dumps. This is how you know it's a it was a, a truck full of trash. It opens its side thing and just dumps trash all over Camp Loman's car, which seems weirdly personal for like a truck, like a like a now uh, alien controlled truck to do. Uh, but you know, uh, Camp is is upset. Uh, he's like the Bible didn't say nothing about this, and goes out to yell at the driver. Ellipses ellipses because there's no driver Kane can't yell right. at the driver um and i'm trying to find a way to describe the profanity that he uses during the scene i wrote down a few pus bag snot ball and snot bag are among the words that he refers to the non-existent driver of this vehicle typical bible salesman talk this regular bible salesman stuff it's like you want to rock and roll with me, puss bag. It's like yeah, you, yeah. You show him. Well, uh, in fact, it does want to rock and roll with you. <laughs> it does. It does want to rock and roll with him. It mostly wants to rock and then roll over him with its tires. Heyo. <laughs> Anyways, uh, Camp notices that the Green Goblin truck is coming for him. Uh, Bill tries to get him to move, uh, but for some reason, uh, Camp Loman went to the Prometheus School of running away from things. And decides to run in a straight line away from the goblin truck, which it's by the way, it's backing up because earlier right. it pulled forward. So now it's backing up and then he just gets like uh, splatted right as he gets to a guardrail, which sends him flying over the guardrail into a ravine. So there you go. End of the Bible salesman. Or is it? We'll find out. No, he's still alive, but only for a little while, only for a jump scare uh, in the diner. Bubba is on a two-way radio trying to raise some help um, because, you know, now there are two corpses that he is responsible for. Um, Bill goes to tell him that there's no one in the cab of the truck, which, of course, Bubba doesn't believe that because he's a man of science and learning. Uh, Brett wants to change because she smells like the Bible salesman who's now dead. I guess because she was in his car. I don't know. None of that made any sense. I think they just wanted a wardrobe change the actress who plays Brett. Um, what is it now? There's so many vignettes of just random people doing shit. So like Handy and a couple of other patrons go to get Duncan's body from outside to bring right. it in to store it. Oh, because the flies were starting to get to it. That's right. Like we can't let the flies eat him. Um, so they bring him down to the basement with the other corpse. Um, meanwhile, now all of the trucks are coming to life at once. And they honk their horns in unison. Yep. 
which are rather loud horns, so it is an effective scare technique. And they start driving around the diner area. And Bubba is now starting to buy into the idea that this is like some kind of supernatural event because the trucks were all depoted. Right. What does that mean? What is depoted? Wait, did did we did we miss when the the couple showed up? No, no, they aren't going to get there until after the trucks start doing their circle. Remember, because Curtis You're tries right. to thread the You're needle. Right. You're right. You're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. But speaking of, back to Curtis and Connie. Uh, <laughs> yeah. They're <laughs> they seeing a ton of trucks going down the highway in one direction while they're going down the other direction. It's like, oh, I wonder where they're all going. Spoiler alert, to kill people. Um, but then suddenly, a truck pulls out in front of them to try to run them off the road. They avoid it. Uh, and then we get another scream from Connie. And when that happens, because it's going to happen so many times. And then the truck is chasing them. And Curtis said he just loaded his pants, which is another Stephen Kingism. So uh, a lengthy chase down the highway, like a really long chase with his truck trying to r- run them off the road uh, as they drive down the highway with Connie still screaming almost the entire time. Like, yeah, it was kind of weird. Even he wasn't even he was like, shut up. Yeah, finally. Like Curtis, like say something like, you know, get your hoe in line, dog. But anyways. Whoa. <laughs> canceled. Hey, canceled. Um, oh, yeah. She and because she was yelling at him, too. She was like, I never should have let you drive again. It's like, is it his fault that this truck came to life and then tried to murder you? <laughs> like, how is that his responsibility? She's so annoying, dude. Anyways, at some point, the the truck, much like uh, <laughs> much like the son of Daedalus, flew too close to the sun and ends up going off the road and uh, while going down a steep grade, explodes. So it's destroyed. And yeah, it that, was like on fire prior to leaving the road, though. So I was like, what the fuck? That truck was just doing too much, man. Yeah, that truck was going to blow up eventually. It's only a matter of time. Um, Connie, uh, in an effort to be as annoying as possible, uh, is, uh, is screaming what is going on as though Curtis has any more idea than she does about what's going on. My, you can tell in my notes even that I'm getting so annoyed with her character. Um, where are we at? Oh yeah. Uh, there's a, a Dixie boy truck stop sign and they decide we will go there and call the police and explain what happened. Well, as we know, that place is under siege by trucks. Uh, Back at the truck stop, the trucks are now just driving in a circle around the building constantly, which sometimes I was like, ooh, that's pretty menacing. They just keep doing that. And sometimes I was like, this is kind of annoying. They don't have any other moves. It's just a waste of gasoline or diesel fuel, I guess. But it's just a waste of fuel to just drive around this building like that. Well, which becomes a plot point, I feel like. What? What? <laughs> so continuity, no. <laughs> uh but at that point, um uh you know, Connie is being shitty with Curtis about wanting to go to the truck stop. Uh because obviously it's surrounded by trucks. Curtis wants to thread the needle, baby. He's like, I'm gonna look at there's a space, I can get in, I can do it. He's like, All right. <laughs> like, what's it what's it uh What's the name of that famous uh, stunt driver? Kurt Russell from uh, Death Proof. 
like, all right, oh, Kurt Russell from guy. Death Proof. Let's see you thread the needle. No, I was thinking of whatever the actual guy was, but I couldn't remember his name. So I decided to cover myself by pretending it was Kurt Russell from Death Proof. Solid. Um, Evil Knievel, that's who it was. Um, what was that? Oh, yeah. And then Wanda June uh, notices this and calls the other uh, patrons at the diner to come and see what Curtis and Connie are about to attempt. Um, Bill is almost stopped by Joey because Bill wants to go out and help them. Uh, but but uh, he does go outside along with Brett. Brett comes along as well. Um, but of course, Curtis, uh, probably because Connie's constantly on his shit, biffs it and his car flips uh, forward. Uh, he gets out, but well, the truck hits him. The truck hit them. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, he biffs it. He like mistimes it. Yeah. Uh, so he gets out. Um, but, uh, uh, Bill and Brett come to help pull Connie out and Connie's just complaining the entire time. It's like, ah, I'm trapped. And also what's happening. And ah! it's like, Oh my right. God, dude, like seriously, seriously stop. Um, and then, like, uh, Bill, Brett, and Curtis and Connie are finally all free. They're running towards the truck stop. But there's a truck on the approach. Who's the unlikely hero to save the day? Why, it's Bubba with an illegal rocket launcher. Right. <laughs> Just absolutely blasts at this truck. The other four have to dive down to, like, not get hit by it. And then just explodes this truck, which was pretty amazing. Like, one of the only times I actually liked Bubba. Uh, it was kind of tempered by the fact that Connie was still screaming. So it was very annoying. Which, by the way, I was looking it up later, and apparently this rocket launcher is a law, L-A-A-W. Yep. Which uh, is not supposed to be fired from the hip like he does. It has to be over no, the shoulder. shoulder. Yeah. So, whoops. Got that science wrong. Yeah, it would probably blow out of their hands. Well, yeah, that yeah, that's also true. There's a lot of problems with there's a lot of problems with a random guy owning a truck stop in North Carolina having access to a rocket launcher. Um yeah, Bill understandably asks where the rocket launcher was retrieved from. Uh Joey attempts to answer, but Bubba cuts him off. Uh since it's likely an illegal weapons stash. Which again, why Bubba would be so like protective of that, knowing now that there's definitely something afoot. Um, but Bubba, Bubba's not willing to let go of the, uh, old world. He's going to hold on to the vestiges of power that came from the capitalist society. They came from not this society, which I guess is, uh, alien truck dominated. Uh, next up, uh, the trucks, uh, abuse Curtis and Connie's abandoned car. <laughs> like just start like hitting it and like running it over and like dry, like driving it around and stuff. Um, which upsets everyone, and I don't really understand why. It's like no one's in there, dude. Like, let them hit the car; it's fine. Uh, which is also very spiteful on the part of these trucks. So, like, they're real bitter. Um, yeah, Bill is talking to Brett again. Uh, she had a razor in her boot for uh, protection since she's hitchhiking to Florida. Um, she <laughs> called it what Mother's Helper or Mother's Little Helper or something like that. The only reason I know that is because it comes up later because Bill uses it to cut. Uh, well, I'll get into it, but he uses it later. Um, at least she was before. <laughs> yeah, this is, this is where she does the title drop because she said, I was hitchhiking to Florida. 
at least I was before every machine in the world decided to go into maximum overdrive. Yeah, it was solid. It yeah. was a good line. Title like, drop. It's like, you know, they were like, we got to get this in somewhere. You got to fit it in. You have to. Yeah. Maximum overdrive. Um, And then we get a little little sweet moment of emotion. She starts to cry because she's scared. And Bill puts uh, asks if he can put his arm around her or if she'll stick him with her razor if he does. And she is amenable to it and also explains to him that you don't stick someone with a razor. You slash them with it. It's like, yeah, dude, you ever even seen a razor? Like, what's up? Um, meanwhile, Deke finds the wreckage of the truck that had attacked Curtis and Connie. Uh, but he can't stay long because there's a plane flying nearby. And uh, is there a song that's playing uh, while this this plane is flying? Yeah, so... I didn't know if was the plane actually playing the song because it cuts to Deke and you can still hear the music. I assume it was just like it was non-diegetic. It was more for us, our understanding yeah. that this song accompanies like airborne assaults frequently. Yeah. Flight of the Valkyries. Isn't it Ride of the Valkyries? Ride of the Valkyries. Thank you. Yeah. But yes. Yeah. yeah Ride of the Valkyries again, which is super funny because this plane shot like now actually pays off later do you remember yeah it does like Uh, you want to ruin it now or no we can talk no we'll get to it when we get there yeah so good yeah listeners put a pin in this when will the plane pay off why didn't the plane attack the kid i don't know maybe it'll find more kids to attack anyways yes it's gonna it's gonna pay off which is honestly like I don't know, man. Like Stephen King said he never directed again after this because of that. But like his attention to continuity is very good and it comes up many times. And like there's so many things that are easy to overlook that he doesn't. So the plane is going to be among them. Uh, Anyways, smash cut to Joey taking a shit. So Joey's in the bathroom. He's having a dump reading high society, which is not like a home and garden magazine. It is a porn magazine. So Joey's in there having a dump and you want to know how we know he's having a dump Shane. Uh, well, cause we constantly hear the sound of it. Like, look, I understand that sometimes you want to make like, like verisimilitude in filmmaking is important. You want things to feel real, but I don't need to hear dude dropping his turds in a toilet bowl. I don't need that. That isn't something you have to do while they're having a conversation. But Stephen King, maybe it was because of his eighth beer of the day. Maybe it was because of the cocaine. He decided we needed to hear the dump that Joey was having while well, Bill, if you, Bill if comes you in. captioning on, it was even worse. It was. It was. Yeah. <laughs> it did. It captioned every sound. Anywho. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Uh yeah, but Bill comes in and asks about the weaponry that Bubba has in the basement. Uh, Joey is uh, trying to be pragmatic about it. He's like, yo, you you heard when Bubba told me to shut up. Like, But um, uh, Bill tells Joey, yo, this is serious. And Joey's like, yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot. Like, Joey puts up almost no resistance. So, like, yeah, there's a lot of weapons down there. Uh, like, he's like, and, and Bill's like, does he have, like, grenades? Does he have anything like this? He's like, Joey's just like, yeah, he's got it all, dude. He's got it all. Let me continue to drop my turds while we have this conversation. Mercifully, we cut to Bill and Brett in the basement investigating the weaponry. And let me tell you, a lot of it. There's a lot of weaponry. 
But of course, rookie move is when they turn on the light, Brett screams when she sees the body down there, even though we all know that they were storing a corpse down there. It's actually more surprising there's only one. There should have been two corpses there. Right. Yeah, it was kind of weird. I just assume they put uh, Giancarlo Esposito's corpse in a different part of the basement so as to not have too many corpses in one spot. That's fair. Because that's that's how you get rats. It's typical corpse management. Yeah. One of my favorite video game genres, corpse management. <laughs> um, and he, but probably because of her scream, Bubba finds them. And he's unhappy that they're snooping around and suggests that they're thieves. Even though he literally just to prove he had a rocket launcher. It's like, yeah, clearly you have an arsenal, bro. Like, I don't understand what his deal is. Like, we're all in this together, right? Uh, so Bubba, for whatever reason... Uh, reveals Bill's criminal history of robbery to Brett. Um, he also says that his ass is grass when this is all over, suggesting that I guess he'll violate uh, Bill's parole once this is done. Um, mm. But anyways, that's not going to work because uh, ladies love a guy with criminal history, let me tell you. And also, uh, his ass won't be grass because uh, everyone's being murdered by machines everywhere. Uh, Bubba goes up to yell at Joey. Um, he, you know that because he yells Joey while he's going up the stairs. So hopefully Joey got to finish his dump or he's about to have a bad time. Probably um, not. <laughs> it was a long one. Uh, Bill explains from those sounds. <laughs> Based on this sound. We don't have much time passed between cuts. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Bill explains to Brett that he owed someone some money. And not being too bright, he decided he would get it through theft. Those are his words. He said that. Um, uh, Brett doesn't seem phased by this. Uh, so I think they're going to be all right. I think that these two crazy kids will get through it. Uh, meanwhile, on a bicycle is Deke, who gets to the truck stop. But seeing the truck circle, uh, decides he needs to try to get access through an underground pipe. He finds the pipe, but he cannot remove the grate. Right. All right. Put that in your mind. That great's going to become important. Um, smash cut tonight. Uh, apparently Bill and Brett have had intercourse because they are in a postcoital glow on a random ground mattress somewhere, <laughs> which by the way, we find out where that ground mattress is and it's just in another room in the truck stop. So Bill has been living in the truck stop. Apparently. I mean, I assume it's his bed, right? I don't know. I see. I I didn't know that because, like, I was thinking about that. I'm like, okay, who possibly could have been like actually living there? Um, so maybe Bubba. Bubba, really though, he's like hella wealthy. I feel like he probably has like a house with like a bunch of like nouveau riche like bullshit architecture and stuff like that. Yeah, I don't know, man. That's a, that's a this is a head scratcher for me. The only reason I didn't think that it was Bill's bed is because later we see it in daylight, and there's like so many like naked pictures of women on the wall, like so many, like it's like wallpapered with like nude women. It's like gross. It so I'm like been Joey's. I think it. Yeah, I think it was probably Joey's. Like I, I'm sorry, but he's the one we saw reading porn while doing a dumpy. Like he's got to be the one. Who's got the porn bed in, in the in the gas so. the gas station? So yeah, in, in any case, 
Um, all right. So, uh, you know, during their uh, post intercourse discussion, uh, Bill notices that the sky is green, much like in the opening scene when we saw the Earth surrounded by green light. Uh, Brett correctly deduces that it's the comet's tail uh, and says that that's probably the cause for everything and that everyone just needs to survive seven days. Um, Bill tells Brett about a place called Haven, which is there's supposedly no motor vehicles, and he has a plan that uh, they will uh, take a sailboat, like a non-motor-based boat, and go there. Because apparently he what he says he used to work on a sailboat at some point in his yeah, life. Yeah, he like captained them or like like would run them or whatever. Yeah, it's yeah. like what is he Pirates of the Caribbean? Get out of here with that. Yeah. Um, but also had to rob a grocery store for money. I don't know, kind of weird. I know a lot of the, mm, a lot of the backstory here isn't really making sense. Shocker. <laughs> um, I'm still pissed they dyed his hair blonde. I thought that was a weird choice. Wait, his hair wasn't blonde? In real life, it's brown. It's like... Yeah, he's Hispanic. Oh. Here they dyed it like red, blonde, like orange blonde or whatever. Oh, yeah. I guess I always thought his hair kind of looked like that. No. (laughs) Anywho. Meanwhile... Oh, yeah. Joey is fiddling with the jukebox, uh, but it explodes... (laughs) Cause it's not having any, I guess that's that machine's way of getting revenge on humans is like, Oh, you like music? Fuck off. Just explodes. Yeah. Uh, that, that, that'll show you, that'll show you for enjoying the sounds of, uh, uh, I don't know, Elvis Costello or art Garfunkel or ACDC. Uh, who are they? Are they a band? Yeah. Do they do the soundtrack for any famous movies? I believe it's a, uh, unit of power or, uh, isn't it two different ones? Yeah. It's yeah, like it's al- power, alternating yeah. current and direct current. So you do know. Never heard of it. <laughs> Anyways, uh, Wanda June is now uh, drunk and raving about how we made them. Yeah. So they, weird. so they can't do this because we made them. And she decides to go out and yell at them about how they can't do this because we made you. And I put in my notes that they are the created because I remember playing Halo Five. <laughs> Is that Halo Five or Halo Four? One of the Halos, like when the, when all of the AI were rebelling. Yeah. Don't worry, you don't have to remember because uh, now they did three, four, three. They just like blew past that. I think it was four. It's all the same. Uh, anyways, uh, Bill uh, pulls her inside just as a truck approaches, and then all the truck horns start to blare together in unison at once. And then the power in the diner flashes and then goes out. Were they responsible for that? Yes. I, at yes. least I think so. The answer is yes. The answer is yes. What's the thing is the movie doesn't explain how, but apparently they did. That's part of their alien uh, machine powers. I'm telling you. Uh, but yeah, in the dark, uh, everyone's just trying to make the best out of a bad situation. Uh, uh, notably, <laughs> it seems like the newlyweds, Connie and Curtis, are having their own little love train in the corner by themselves. Um, they're just being lovey-dovey in the corner. Everyone else is like, what, playing card games or doing... They're just doing stuff. Like, people are just doing stuff in the dark. It's kind of funny. Mm-hmm. There's a weird, like, uh, pseudo-philosophical question that Brett asks 
if it'll be their world again tomorrow. And Bill's like, was it ever? It's like, okay, yeah, dude. Right. Like, yeah, that's definitely freshman level philosophy right there. Yeah. Like, get out of here. It's definitely prison reading. <laughs> and some guy says he hates trucks. It's yeah. like, yeah, man. Like me too. It's terrible for the environment. The way that we use fossil fuels, the way we do in order to fuel. You know what? Our- that was Andy. We're going to say that was Andy. You think that was Andy? Yeah. Cause he gets marked with a uh, machine gun. So there's never a point at which anyone could argue with us. So many of the people who get marked with machine guns are unnamed. <laughs> so it's yeah. hard for you to even know who they are. Like they added people to that diner. I swear to God. What was that? Like they added people to the diner for that scene. Oh yeah. Like there yeah. were, there were like extras that like weren't in the diner the whole time. Someone just walked in and it's like, Hey, you're going to yeah. machine gun today. It's like, Whoa, cool. Yeah. Let me text my mom. Wait, this was 1986. You couldn't text your mom. Wait, where are you from, boy? Is he from the future? Because he could text his mom. Anyways, to cut that out. That wasn't a very funny joke. No, I'm leaving it. No, not again. Meanwhile, sudden not screaming. Like <laughs> not like this. The only thing you ever quote from The Matrix. It's <laughs> good. Anyway, smash cut to sudden screaming, which Brett immediately identifies as the Bible salesman, Camp Loman, still out there in the ravine. He's apparently not dead, just mostly. Uh, Curtis is way more than willing to go out there to try to save the guy. Uh, probably because his wife sucks. Uh, but Bill, exp- <laughs> Bill explains that you can't get there from here. And he says it in the most weird way possible. He's like, remember the old joke? You can't get there from here. It's like, what? But anyways, the important thing is Bill has an idea how to get to him. Outside, Deke has returned, and this time he's able to pull the grate off of the end of a pipe, and he's going through it. And I don't know if it's the same pipe from earlier, if this is a different pipe, because it seems like this is just a pipe that goes across the road, not into the building, correct? Yes. Well, it must be, because he doesn't go into the building, he goes across the road. Yeah, it doesn't really, like, get into that. I think the... Ah, don't worry about it. We'll get into it. Anyways, uh, he is troubled by how loud the trucks are overhead while he is crawling under the road. Um, but he's still able to pass through. That doesn't incapacitate him permanently. Oh, you meant Deke. Yeah, that, that just crosses the road. Yeah, did I say did I say Bill? I thought we were talking about the pipe where uh No, 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 Bible where Bill and yeah. yeah, no, no, no. So I was talking about because Deke earlier tried to do the yeah, pipe that would have gone great. into the building. With the crate on it. But this one, he's able to get the grate off because it's not as strong. And that's because right. this pipe only goes across the road. It's it's just from one end of the road to the other. Right. And it's going to bring him to where the shower one comes out, which we'll find out in a second. Spoiler alert. Uh, Bill's idea is to go through the showers. Smash cut. Bill explains that the shower drains run to the... <laughs> it's literally my next note. These shower drains run to the ravine where Camp Loman is trapped. I don't think they ever say his name either, do they? They only call him the Bible salesman. They never call him Camp Loman. So it's kind of weird that I keep calling him by his name because it's in the credits that way. Uh, Connie tries to stop Curtis from going, but he insists on accompanying Bill. Probably because she sucks. Uh, Bubba says something about how they're crazy to do this, at which point Bill calls him a fuckhead. Uh, Bill's really showing his, like, uh, his rebellious streak to his boss now that there's a... uh, global machine apocalypse real tough real tough when there's machines coming to life huh buddy bill and curtis sneak 
over to the shower house pretty much without incident. Like they kind of like stealth move through some car areas and and get there. Uh, so they're tying. So they go to tie like a rope up to use to go into the drain. Uh, while those who are about uh to those who are about to rock, we salute you, place. Just that was kind of a funny like needle drop. Like why not go for it? That was good. That was good. Yeah, because they're about to rock straight into that shower drain. And then we, we do salute them. We certainly do. And honestly, this is kind of a very whimsical scene, which are some of the like unexpectedly, I think Stephen King writes very good whimsical scenes as Bill and Curtis move through the water. Where like like yeah. Curtis is like, I wonder how many people have peed in this. And then Bill slips and Curtis is like, How's it taste? And then I Bill wonder, like was that meant to happen? I don't know. Like, it's hard to tell. It seems like something Stephen King would write, but it's also seems like something Stephen King would leave in the movie if they ad libbed it because he thinks right. it's funny. He's also obsessed with pee. So, like, also. <laughs> well, Bill retaliates by he comes around a corner and there's a rat walking. He's like, hey, Curtis, I found your friend. I'm sending him to you. And he's like, ah, look, it's just, that's what I mean. This is kind of like a funny moment. And this is started the bromance that will become the, the remainder of the movie, which is Bill and Curtis basically being bros. Um, at least whenever they have scenes together, which is not nearly enough in my opinion. Uh, yeah. So outside Deke has crawled through the drainage pipe and is now on the other side of the road and in the same ravine where Bible salesman camp Loman landed. Uh, Deke goes to him and tries to wake him up. Uh, he like listens to his chest thinking that he must be dead. However, when he turns around to leave, uh, camp Loman sits up and grabs him by the leg. And this is like one of those moments where it's like, how despicable can you make a single Bible salesman? Because um, mm-hmm. he wants Deke to pull him out. Deke's like, hey, I'm a child. Like, and you're a very large man. Like, what do you expect? And Camp threatens to murder him if he doesn't. So Deke yells for Bill, um, who coincidentally just came through a pipe near them and is ready and does get to him in time. Which, by the way, this isn't actually the worst Bible salesman that Stephen King has ever written, in my opinion. Do you want to know which one is? What is the worst one? Uh, Greg Stilson from The Dead Zone. Yeah, that's fair. Because he kicks a dog to death, and that really upset me. You can cut that if you want. No one likes to hear that, but I was like, man, this guy sucks. I hope that uh, he gets destroyed by Johnny Smith with his Dead Zone powers. I love when you're like, hey, you should cut that or you should do it because it just makes me want to not do it. You know? Okay. <laughs> so I should just say like really offensive shit and then just like not say anything and then you won't cut pretty, it. Pretty much. Then you will cut yeah. it. I'm like, yes, fine. I kind of have to. <laughs> well, I just mean like people don't like to hear about dead dogs, but. Yeah, I know. It's just funny. You're just always like, oh, you can you just cut this. It's like, all right, dude. Yep. Sure. You'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Maybe this gets louder and there's some effects. And <sighs> Anyhow, <laughs> Bill gets to Deke, uh, but camp is already dead. But they also attracted the attention of a truck that is coming after them. Um, but Curtis, Bill and Deke all flee back into the pipe. So they get out of there. Um, what is it? They get all the way back to the, to the shower uh, room. Because I guess this is how truck stops used to work is like what they have a shower building, the diner slash gas station slash truck stop building. So there's, that's why there's two buildings, right? 
Yes. All right, cool. But there in the in the in the shower building, when Deke asks Bill if uh, his dad is okay, Ugh, bad news, he's dead. But he's not. Bill's not ready to talk about that, so he just like kind of skirts the issue. It's like uncool, dude. <laughs> like he should tell this kid his dad got splatted by a truck. But whenever they get, uh, whenever we get back to uh, the other side, not missing any opportunity to be as annoying as possible, uh, Connie is making a fuss about how the truck must have killed them and they're all dead. And Brett says that they're okay, which uh, prompts Connie to just annoyingly yell, then where are they? Like, yeah. oh my God. And then the second she screams that, they emerge from the shower house. Like, Oh man, that character sucks so bad. I feel bad because like the actress is this is not her fault. I believe this is the direction she received, but ugh, too much. Uh, but yeah. Anyways, the truck is approaching them, uh, but Bill stops and shoots it with a rocket launcher, which I didn't realize he had, but he did. Uh, and now everyone cheers and congratulates Bill, including Curtis, who is now, like I said, his BFF. So. I assume that he had the, the rocket launcher at the front of the gas station. So when they snuck by and got to the gas station, he just grabbed it and turned around and fired then. But yeah, I think he couldn't have carried that all the way into the shower train. So oh, no, no, he did. Uh, that was the bag. Oh, it was in the bag with him. Okay. Yeah, that's why I was like, oh, it's so heavy. You're right. Yeah, he brought it with him. Okay. Yeah. But anyways, he didn't use it until he got back to the building. <laughs> so he right. turned around and blasted that thing. That's what I mean. His like Curtis's reaction to that is like, oh, I guess they're like now bros. Like, like it's hard to explain, but it definitely seems like that. But once again, Deke asks the hard question, which is, where's my dad? And Bubba, uh, being the absolute piece of human trash he is, says he got scrubbed by one of the big boys out there. <laughs> like, Jesus, dude, like you could have said it a different way. That's his dad. Uh, Brett calls him an unbelievable shithead, which is another Stephen Kingism unbelievable shithead uh deke has a bit of a freak out uh but bill comforts him while uh brett takes it upon herself to slap bubba um so smash cut to morning everyone's just kind of laying about and sleeping or whatever uh deke's playing with bubbles which whatever it's kid stuff right it's bubbles but <laughs> oh what's this two new trucks are on the way one is a bulldozer and the other is a platform truck with a machine gun on it. <laughs> that can't be serious, right? Yeah. When this happened, I'm like, oh, okay. This is like the trucks are like, we just need guns now. Yeah. It's like, but here's the thing. They should only have one clip because they can't reload. Yeah. Well, I mean, we figure out what else they can't do either soon. So we will find out. Uh, produce. And then this is when there's a guy who comes out that I'm convinced was not in the rest of the movie. He throws open like the, the, the saloon style doors uh, to the back so hard that the windows on the door break. I guess they're not saloon style doors, like serving doors, like from like a kitchen. Yeah. He's like, what the fuck is going on here? Like cartoonishly as possible. Never saw that character ever. I'm telling you. They brought some of these guys on to get shot. Seriously, dude, he had to have like no idea because he has like a bright green shirt and he has like crazy hair. I'm like, who is this guy? Meanwhile, uh, the bulldozer uh, pushes. Um, a, is it a car? Is it Bubba's car that he pushes into the diner? Yeah, it like clears out. 
Yeah. Yeah. Yep, the, pushes that into the diner to like basically wreck that wall, kind of break a bunch of windows. Uh, promised Bubba to go out with the rocket launcher and he rockets um, right from uh, inside of the restaurant, <laughs> which is uh, probably not chill, uh, but he launches the rocket, destroys the bulldozer. Bulldozer's dead, but he didn't think it through because clearly it's still a machine gun truck there, uh, which starts blasting. And guess who it gets first? Old ketchup chest. <laughs> it gets Bubba. Then it gets uh, the loudmouth patron who broke the door. And then a few other random patrons that we don't really know uh, very well, which very, very much possible that they just were brought in for the scene. I would agree. So you think that those uh, those uh, machine gun bullet holes on them looked fake? Yeah, well, especially on Bubba. Like they look good on the other extras that got shot. Yeah, on Bubba they look pretty fake. Yeah, it was like it was kind of weird. I'm like, why does this look so bad? Yeah, because I thought that like, doing? especially that loudmouth random dude. He just got like blah 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 blah. Like he did he did a really good like Sonny Corleone, you know, like he just yeah, like, right. Uh, yeah. But yeah, anyways, uh, and then the gun growls at the end. Yeah. <laughs> Which is uh, uh, problematic because it let a lot of people on the internet believe that it must have been controlled by an alien. It's like, uh, no, there's not an invisible alien there. This isn't Predator. <laughs> no, it's definitely the, it's definitely the Jeep, which is the Willys, and then it, then it honks the Morse code. So it's like, okay, yeah, no, it's the it's the truck doing it. But it's yeah, like people are like, oh no, there's an invisible alien on that. It's like, no, there isn't, guys. Like. Stop reading things in the movie that aren't there. Uh, but then guess what? Wanda June. Finally, she's at the edge of her rope. She goes and grabs the rocket launcher and goes outside screaming uh, frequently about how the trucks can't do this because we made you. Uh, but of course they can do it, Shane. <laughs> and they do. They she's riddled with bullets and her, she fires a stray rocket into a Miller light truck and just like, n- like blows that shit up. I'm like, man, did Miller light pay for like product placement? this cause oh, they had to, they have. just got blasted. Yeah. Well, so what I don't understand, she had a lot of time to shoot the other vehicle, but chose not to. Yeah. She was so. too busy having a, uh, a character moment. Yep. She had to freak out about uh how they made they uh we made them. So therefore they cannot do this. Yeah. Cause uh, let me tell you how well that worked for uh Dr. Frankenstein, am I right? Oh. Uh poorly. It's a it's a book. It's very common. It went very poorly for him. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, so like uh the truck, the the machine gun truck starts honking a horn in patterns which Deke recognizes Morse code because he has a scout badge in it or something. Uh, Deke writes it down, which the, what it amounts to the truck saying they just want to be fed. So anyone who fuels them up will be permitted to live. So if you fuel them up, pretty much you can live. Is that, well, I I mean, that's the basic gist of the message. Um, There's some table talk about this. Like uh, one of the guys is like, uh, we should let them starve. And then Joey is like, uh, well, uh, they can't refuel without power, at which point the power comes back on. It's like, Joey, shut the hell up, dude. God damn it, Joey. Yeah. But um, Bill decides to go turn on the pumps. 
and Brett follows him and accuses him of being a Neville Chamberlain, which I thought was yeah. pretty pretty funny. That was pretty good. That was good. <laughs> yeah, but uh, Bill's like, uh, he he um he believes the trucks won't kill him if they think he's there to help them. He's like they they're like a junkie trying to run down his connection, so they will not hurt any of us as long as they need us. Uh, and it's a pretty cool scene because like, uh, like Bill comes out, he, he like covers Wanda June's corpse. Uh, and then he moves towards the trucks and the gun, like the machine gun on the platform is following him as he walks closer. I thought that was a really cool shot because it like zooms out while he's moving closer and the yeah. gun is turning. Like, I thought that was really good. That's what I'm saying. Like, good. I think that Stephen King is actually a solid director, but he'll never do it again because this is poorly uh, received. Uh, he goes up to the green goblin truck and tells him to alert the other vehicles that he's got the main line open for business. So don't kill us. And that machine, like the, the uh, green goblin truck revs up menacingly so that, you know, it gets it, but it's also like still a dick. Um, right. Hell's bells starts playing. <laughs> Because why not? And There's that is a thirty minute fucking gas station. Them pumping gas. Them scene. pumping gas montage. Jesus Christ! Over hell's like bells. We, it's like we understand how gas works, guys. Like, please stop. Well, I think the point of it was how like the highway was full of all the trucks lining up for it. Right. And it's like nothing but trucks. Which, yeah. Like, imagine the ecological damage that does to have that many trucks to slayer for this like gratuitous fueling scene. There's like no one on the other side of the of the interstate highway, just only on the one side. Uh, and it's really crazy because like, what is it like? Everyone gets in on it, like uh, like Brett's doing it. Bill's doing it. Deke's doing it. He even like gives one the bird. Like, I don't know if they can see, man, but if you do that, they're going to be pissed. Like every other character that I don't really know is also doing it. <laughs> um, But like, I actually enjoyed there's a shot later where uh. Uh, Brett is relieved of duty and she goes to walk back and leans against like a, like a kind of a flatbed uh, yep. uh, truck. And then the, it kind of pans up to see the highway lined with trucks on their way in, which was pretty, I thought it was a pretty cool shot, like a pretty cool moment. Like, honestly, like I know how frustrating it is to just watch people like pump gas, but the idea that they were getting so like tired just from doing that all day for these trucks is yeah. kind of cool. Um, but they finally run out and uh, Bill goes to deliver the bad news, which results in like a crescendo of truck truck horns. And right. One, like, right. Yeah. And then like, one of them gets like up close to him and gets like kind of ornery. He's like, what do you want me to do? And I was like, yeah, what do you want him to do? And then the, as that one pushed him, it was pushing him towards like, what do you call like where the gas tanks are underground at a gas station? Cause I was calling it a cistern in my notes, but I don't know if it's called a cistern or if that's just water. No, nah, I usually just call it like a it's like a tank. It's yeah, okay, it's just or... a tank. Yeah, yeah. So, and the ornery truck was a fuel truck. It was like fill them up, baby. I got that juice you want. So yeah, he has to like then go and like fill it up. But like Bill's like basically passing out while he's doing it. So Handy rolls in and officers take over for him. So Handy like sets it up correctly, and then like carries Bill towards the inside. And Bill's like, the trucks don't understand what it's like to be tired. They're not human. They don't understand what it's like to run out of gas. They understand the basic concepts, but sure. Right. Um, 
but uh yeah handy's talking about a potential escape uh through the shower pipe that they used to find deke but while they're talking about this escape plan uh the gun truck rolls up and just points the gun at them be like what are you guys <laughs> right, like what are you guys up to over here <laughs> what are you guys being so secretive about <laughs> yeah right <laughs> and then bill says something or no handy says something like oh, i guess uh, coffee break is over or whatever yeah and then it just goes back so like and then bill like then leans on brett to go inside and he like gives his whole conspiracy theory that this is a a broom aliens are using a like a broom to like wipe us off the earth so the aliens can have a new place to live which i was like ah, oh, i guess he's just really tired he's kind of nonsense ideas spoiler alert uh the ending of the movie is going to kind of bear that through <laughs> like it's being yeah, actually happened. we'll get there jesus <laughs> yeah um but yeah, at that point, like people have been cycling in and out. So Bill goes out to talk to one of the guys who's fueling up the trucks. Uh, the gun truck is not pleased and is training the gun on them over this. And the and Bill tells the gun truck, hey, this is people business. Right. It's like, you don't know how much this truck understands. Uh, but then uh, Bill like basically tells the guys, like, hey, when I say run, you run. Uh, and then when he says run, he takes out a or he takes out a grenade, uh, like put throws it down, spins the gun head, and then says run, and they both run away as the gun truck explodes. Success, right? Kind of. It is because they are going into the ground. Uh, of course, Connie can't miss an opportunity to be annoying. She's complaining about spiders and how delicate she is, and don't you drop her and. They're all going into the basement where there is a way through to the other, the very far side where Deke first went. So they're right. finding a way out through the very bottom of the building. Um, I just want to talk about how Connie couldn't help being annoying one more time. Uh, unreal. Yeah. So the trucks, uh, believing the humans have stopped cooperating, start to crash into the truck stop and the diner and everything. Uh, by then, all of the people have crossed through the drainage pipe across to that far side where uh, Deke first went. Um, and this is where it gets kind of spiteful. Like that bulldozer is just like taking out the truck stop sign and runs over a random car and like takes out like the what the gas station roof. Like also, yeah, this roof yeah. sucks. <laughs> just like taking it down. And there's a truck that has liquid oxygen which crashed into the building and was hissing and the main truck leaders primarily goblin truck, but also like the trash, the trash, tr trash truck. That's hard to say the trash truck and another truck, like all are like fleeing from the area, knowing that the liquid oxygen truck is about to explode. Cause guess what? It does. It sure does. It takes out that entire thing. So like it like blows everything up and like so they just find another like trapped group of people in a gas station so they don't run out of fuel. That's what I mean. Like there's several gas stations and that one uh, was it the tow truck that killed the guy who was at the gas station that uh, Connie and Curtis first went to. You basically just wasted that dude. He was like useful to you. I feel like not all trucks are as smart as all the trucks. Green Goblin like truck is pretty smart. Machine gun truck is pretty smart. Or like they learned over time, maybe like, oh, shit, we can't keep doing this. They didn't think about it until they were running out of gas. It's like, oh, wait a minute. We haven't killed all the humans yet. Yeah, that's that, that makes sense. 
But anyways, uh, so where are we at? Oh, yeah. Explosion. A grand explosion. It was so cool. Then we cut to everyone running along single file beside the road. Uh, Unadvisable when your enemies are roadbound. It says they're one mile from the marina. The marina, Shane, is where you get a boat. Uh, But of course, after they pass, not far behind, is Green Goblin Truck. Um, This is where we get the shot that we were talking about earlier that pays off. Right. So it's what, a school bus with a plane that had crashed right into the top of it? Like like directly. Like directly into the top of it. (laughs) So it's like basically that plane saw like Deke and was like, I could get that kid or I could get like. 14 kids or I guess how many kids are there in a bus? Probably more than that. Uh, more <laughs> than one. Probably like, yeah, definitely more than one. So it's like, I'm going to get the most kids I can. <laughs> so it's just so funny. Like later on, we see the plane in a, in a school bus. It's like, <laughs> Oh man, so good. Um, then so the, like this scene I thought was kind of weird. So like, they're like rolling up to like the Marina and they all have like machine guns, like Uzis, like submachine guns. Are they like, what the fuck? Like, what is this going to do against anything? But we'll get there. But yeah, why they use, they didn't have like a rocket launcher with them. Yeah. Well, it's going to do all right, actually. But uh, they, they're near what, like a fast food restaurant. And it starts to announce humans here, humans here, humans here over the, like the, uh, the, yeah. the speaker from the drive through. And Deke uh, walks up and he's like, this is for my father. And like machine guns it. Like, that's not what kills your father, dude. It was the truck. Like, what? How is this for your father? <laughs> Whatever. He's like, I don't want this anymore. <laughs> yeah, Deke's just like, I'm done handling a gun. What am I, a school student in the uh, post 2005 days? Whenever the assault weapons man ran out. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Timely. Anyways, sudden ice cream truck. There's an ice cream truck along the way. It is the mighty tasty one. Just so you know. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Curtis goes out to shoot at it but apparently he's terrible at shooting so Brett goes out and also shoots uh, it doesn't put up much of a fight it just kind of drives forward until it's destroyed it's like oh man great victory you really killed that ice cream truck guys um, yeah, the, you know the flammable ice cream trucks that are always driving around if there's one thing I know about ice cream trucks is that they actually can survive explosions that's what I thought too the Terenzi brothers like yeah they got out of there <laughs> I can't believe that this one killed, got killed. But anyways, um, the group arrives at the marina again with the Green Goblin truck nearing, but they don't know that yet. And we see another dead body of someone and they were like rolled up in the car window. Like it like gone up on the throat and killed him. It's like I I think I thought about that. I was like, oh, man, that reminds me of how my first car uh, when I was in like high school was a Pontiac Sunfire. It's like, car. and that had manual windows, baby. You got to roll them up. There's no way that was going to kill me. Yeah, <laughs> so that's that a good car. You remember it from? Yeah. From my freshman year. Oh yeah, that's true. You were there. <laughs> you did see it before it, it perished. I've been in it. <laughs> you know, it actually didn't perish. We sold it. It is owned by somebody else in Titusville. As we speak, we need to get it back. No, it can stay. It can stay out. (laughs) Anyways, that's it for Pontiac uh, Sunfire's talk. 
um there is what is it um i was like oh in my notes i put one of the guys stops to take the ring from the lady who's rolled up the window because her hand's out and there's a ring on her finger and it's a big diamond and it's brad (laughs) damn it brad what are you doing that's what you get for being the mayor in eight-legged freaks (laughs) So say so you're never going to make it in your political campaign now, Brad. <laughs> well, the, the thing that was funny is like I, I put in my notes, the guy's named Brad based on Brett asking where Brad is. But of course, he doesn't hear the stealthy uh, lack of sound of the Green Goblin uh, semi truck, which is now there right by them. <laughs> right. Literally beside them. How did it get there without making a noise? It is not a hybrid vehicle. Doesn't matter. <laughs> It's there. It turns on its lights. It charges in and it obliterates Brad instantly. Yeah. Like, yeah, totally like, smashes him right over its green goblin forehead. Um, but Bill, of course, comes out and launches a missile. And he's like, hey, what's his line? Like, adios, motherfucker. And like fires it. Like, that's his like yippee ki line. Yeah. Um, hits the green goblin truck, exploding it, you know, satisfyingly. That's a good explosion. Um, and then as the group go to sail away, we get a, uh, oh, this is where, like, uh, when they're trying to uh, cut the the lines, uh, that's when I found out that the blade that Brett carries is called uh, Mother's Helper or whatever, because he's like, can I have Mother's Helper? And then she hands him the, the blade so he can cut the lines from shore so they can sail away. It was annoying. All they had to do is just lift that rope off of that pier and it would have been fine. I know. That's how like boats work. Have they never, yeah. like he said, They're he worked so on a boat. Like, and I wonder, he got I know fired. I'm like this, this dipshit. Like, and then there's no way that knife's that sharp. Well, it probably would be, but it, it'd take a while. Those are thick ropes that take a yeah. long time. Like, I mean, boats. it's like, no wonder he got fired from the boat. He worked on <laughs> this dude sucks yeah. at his job. Um, so yeah, they're sailing away during a triumphant who made who reprise. Um, the surprisingly large number of survivors. It's like what Bill, Brett, Deke, Curtis, Connie, Joey, uh, the yeah. one angry shop hand who wasn't Duncan or Joey. He lived. Um, the one I was wondering about was handy though. Cause I didn't see handy on the boat at the end. And I looked it up and I didn't see him in the death list. Like where's handy. I thought he was on the boat. I don't know. I didn't see him. I like replayed that scene a few times. I didn't see him. Yeah. Well, I'd like to believe Handy survives. It'd be really it'd be really cool if like the man who piloted the Green Goblin truck lived to see another day. Um right. yeah, but then Deke is like after that, like uh Deke is like, Oh, Yank that we're going to be okay, and Bill's like, Yeah, we're gonna be okay. Whatever. As the group sails off, there's a uh, closing text block that tells us that a UFO was killed in space by a Russian uh quote unquote weather satellite that happened to be equipped with the laser cannon and a class four nuclear missile. Yeah, it was it's like, okay, like, it's oh, a okay, good bit. Yeah. Good <laughs> it's job. A, it's a good pre cold war ending bit. Uh, the yeah. comet passed by six days later as expected. And the Dixie boy truck stop uh, survivors remained survivors. So in case we we're wondering if they're killed while at sea by other machines, Nope, they got out or bills and aptitude. Yeah. But of <laughs> yeah, Bill's an attitude. But of course, we needed one more scene of Connie being annoying as shit. So she complains about being seasick during Barfs. the end. Yeah, 
in bars. Like it's uh, great, cool. Thanks for that. And then the cre- uh, closing credits are "You Shook Me All Night Long," probably ACDC's most popular song. Mm. What do you think their most popular song is? TNT. Is it Dynamite? Yeah, or Highway to Hell, maybe. I I don't think it's. I don't think it's "You Shook Me All Night." I feel night like long. they played "You Shook Me All Night Long" at like every wedding I've ever been to. Give me one second. Do it. We'll see what Spotify has to say. Oh, Thunderstruck for sure. Never mind. Oh, oh it's it is Thunderstruck. It is Thunderstruck. It's, it's uh, it's. I'm an idiot. Okay, so according to ACDC's like Spotify, Back in Black is 1.38 billion plays. I always forget about Back in Black. I don't know why. Highway to Hell is 1.37 billion. Thunderstruck is 1.3 billion. And then You Shook Me All Night Long hasn't hit the billion mark yet. Apparently, I just hit puberty in the middle of that fucking sentence, too. So, Zoinks. Uh, Zoinks. I don't know. This one, this one uh, website I looked at said the top 10 biggest song was Dirty Deeds Done Dirt Cheap. That was huge, man. That was big in the 70s. I guess it depends on the metric. Like if well, it's the I'm biggest on, song I'm on being, the metric of, of people. What's being streamed active, now. Yeah. Actively listened to. So but I, I was looking say, at uh, chart, chart topping. Yeah. In any case, ACDC has a lot of hits is what we're trying to say. That's the podcast point. Show us your hits. Uh, <laughs> uh, anyways. It's one of the best, greatest hits albums ever from uh, Bloodhound Gang. <laughs> just show us your hits you ever seen that it's hilarious so you can listen to all three of their hits hey all four you... anyways uh so that is the plot description of maximum overdrive all right now what do we do mcmurder of the movie mcmurder of the movie you say okay so go on I I'm gonna make a case for one, and, I'll and it's not it. my Mc, it's not my McMurder of the movie. Okay, but it should be because we're not doing cars. We're, we're we're taking the cars out, right? Yeah, machines, machines. No, not machines. Okay, all right. So whenever um, <laughs> whenever they uh, whenever um, uh, Kurt and uh, what's her name? What's the Brett or no Connie? No, Connie. Kurt, Connie. Thank you, Connie. So Kurt and Connie um, try to shoot the gap and the car gets flipped over. The ceremonious, like, because they definitely killed their car. The ceremonious horn blare from all the trucks around there I thought was hilarious. Like, we have one. R.I.P. Yeah. but Like, we had to kill one of our own for this? I think we have the same McMurder of the movie again. Do you think so? Dude, how could it not be this one? Is it, is it the kid run over by steamroll? It's the steamroll kid. <laughs> uh, it's so hard to choose between that and the guy being murdered by a vending machine because both of those are awesome kills, dude. It, flat. Oh, I so my number three was so number one was steamroll kid. Number two was the car horn, and number three was the dog with the toy in its mouth. You didn't even have the guy getting murdered by the vending machine on your list? 
I mean, it was such low hanging fruit when it hit him in the nuts and everyone's like, <laughs> yeah, but then it know. murdered him. Yeah. And then I guess right after that, a kid got fucking just trampled by a steamroller. So I guess it didn't play, didn't live with me as much as it did with you, I guess. It didn't hit as hard with you that this guy was murdered by, <laughs> murdered by the machine, the machine gun throw of, well, okay. So it was like a shotgun throw to him. Is a machine gun throw and killed two children. This yeah. vending machine had a higher kill death than most humans will have. Right. But it's kids using using cheats. It's hacking. It's ha- hacks. But no, I, I think I have to agree with you though. It's gotta be it's gotta be steamroller. Like, what is that? Like Didn't that, expect it. That was not what I thought I was gonna see on like the day I saw it, which isn't even recently. Like it was a long time ago. So I feel like with you. McMurder, the movie, like it, if it was the one that I think is the best, it would be the it would probably be the machine gun, uh, you know, attack of the vending machine. But if it has to be like just the overall best kill, it's definitely just like watching some random kid wreck his bike and they just get mowed down by a by a steamroller. Yeah, it's it's that's. Yeah, that's my vote. So it's steamroller of a child is what we're going to call it. Steamroller. All right. Uh, let's put that on the website. Steamrolling of a child is our McMurder of the movie. Hey, uh, speaking of running over kids with steamrollers, what's next? <laughs> Amazing transition. Next up <laughs> is our judgment categories. music random stuff anyways our judgment categories as always are these five which are story which we include writing in acting effects music which includes sound design and then the cult factor the cult factor being that little x factor that makes these movies so good so what do you think for story um I like it. I, I think, I think a, I, I think it's a I, minus the stupid ending. Like we killed an alien with a nuke laser rifle satellite or something. Like if you took that out of it, I think it's a cool story, right? We didn't. The Ruskies did. Yeah. But like, I don't know. I, I, I like maybe you could probably talk me to B, but I, I'm really feeling a because it's unique. There's a lot of Comet movies, but this one I felt like just it did something different, right? And Stephen King's great at this stuff, so I'd go A. That's the thing that's interesting is the characters are also super interesting and their stories kind of yeah. feel naturalistic, even if sometimes they can be frustrating or annoying. It's like a majority yeah. of the people in that like truck stop are just kind of like 
oh yeah we're just gonna hang out for this but then you have like bill who like unexpectedly like shows up to lead you know the boss who was sleazy then and he remains sleazy and like he acts like the world is just the same as it always has been even during right. this crazy crisis which is how people in power always try to hold on to power is by pretending that nothing has changed but like it's just so interesting the dynamics between the characters which uh isn't hurt by the fact that uh Connie, the newlywed, uh, the wife half of the newlywed couple, is absolutely abysmal and annoying, and I hated every second of her on screen. But that doesn't hurt the fact that I think it's very well written. I think the plot is interesting. I think there's a mystery and an unknown there throughout most of it that is not, like you said, harmed by that last little bit where the the text tells us that a Russian satellite atomic bomb to ufo <laughs> so so yeah no i i can go eh? i'm fine with that fair enough Next. oh one thing I, I wanted to say oh uh just about so i i brought up earlier about how i i'm like you were saying like this is definitely a stephen king story and i'm like in in my brain i'm like this is definitely a stephen king film adaptation whether it's television or, or uh, you know, feature length. Um, one of my f- favorite things that he does, and I don't know why he does this. I love it because, you know, when he visualizes a lot of these, you know, stories, I, I see him thinking this way, but it's hard to, it's hard to convey that through writing. And I, and I, and almost every one of his movies or television, like miniseries or whatever, he has a shot with almost all of the actors in it doing something, looking from an angle like out at at like off distance, like away from the camera. Like everyone, Langoliers, they do it. Um, it's crazy. Like it's just, I mean, not every single one, but a majority of them. So like, even if you look at the trailer uh, thumbnail for um, Maximum Overdrive, it's where uh, Emilio Estevez is drinking and he has like the blood on his shirt. And then all of them are like, there's like some sort of like, I don't know, it's like a candid shot. You know what I mean? Yeah. And he does that stuff in all, like a ton of his his movies. I wouldn't say all of them, but like a ton of them. And I love that. I think it's so cool. Like to me, that's like his stamp. Like visually, he does that all the time, which is cool. Well, Stephen King isn't usually involved in that though. So it's like <clears throat> his writing that founds that idea. That's what I mean. Like it, but that's like a, that's like mm-hmm. a visual representation of how I like in my mind, I'm like, that's probably how he sees that scene when he writes it. You know what I mean? Yeah. He writes an ensemble cast in a novel in a yeah. way that no one else can. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Which is why I actually love uh, Mike Flanagan's Dr. Sleep, which is the most recent and best in my opinion, uh, adaptation of Stephen King's work. So good. I haven't seen that yet. I'll have to watch it. Oh yeah. You have to watch that. It's so good. He has to like blend between like like the shining the novel and the shining the movie and create like Doctor Sleep that's supposed to be like a sequel to the book, obviously, but the movie is mm-hmm. what's in everyone's cultural consciousness. So he like yeah. finds a way to blend them together in a very satisfying way, in my opinion, anyway. Very cool. Next up, acting. <laughs> Why don't you kick it off? Well, most everyone is actually pretty good like I, I can believe the personalities i can believe 
uh, the conflicts that arise, like, um, you know, some broad strokes, but you, when you have a large ensemble cast, you have to use, like, you only have like what this movie's 98 minutes, something like that. Like Mm -hmm. you have a lot of time. You have to like make this work, but Connie sucks so bad. (laughs) It's so hard to like, know if I had to put that on acting or on writing, but like at the end of the day, I had to put on acting. She's it's her performance. So like, I'm at to say B. I think that Connie drags it down for me. Yeah, Connie was tough. Uh, a couple scenes between Brett and Bill were hard to kind of like. Emilio Estevez has that weird seriousness that he always has. Um, I just sometimes I don't think it helps scenes, especially when it's like you know. There's some kind of like dialogue happening. Um, well, he wasn't uh, Stephen King's first choice for the role of Bill either. So I believe it factors who, into it. Who was it? Uh, it's actually Bruce Springsteen. Oh my! Never mind. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Yeah, this guy, this man needs to be stopped. He was stopped. Yeah, he was. Uh, and yeah, well, I think, and then the supporting actors did, did a great job. I, I agree with B. Yeah. Honestly, this, the supporting cast kept it from going lower for me because yeah, Connie being right, a main exactly. character is like devastatingly awful. Yep. So yeah. Next up is effects or effects, FX effects, FX. Um, I'm going to go a, and the only time I was pissed was the, ketchup chest the blood scene i don't know if it was bad lighting they didn't film it correctly uh it, it was pretty bad but then like the next the next shot were like really good body shots on the the actors like the um the extras so um but think of all the all the remote control stuff they did with the trucks uh you know all the effects they did with the explosions the drain stuff was really cool. Like it, cause it's practical. Everything's practical. The set pieces were great. Yeah, I'd go a, but that's I, why like I all, think, all my life, I actually believed that they had like a way to drive the vehicles with drivers that you just couldn't see them. I thought it was like a trick. Mm-hmm. And then to find out they use radio controlled vehicles for everything. And they frequently broke down. It's like, what you guys like did that? Like, it's so crazy to me. So yeah, honestly, like, the idea they put that much effort into it is definitely a huge thing in their direction. The only thing I will put against them is uh, Giancarlo Esposito's death where they animated the electricity there. Yeah. But that happened so early in the movie and it's done so fast. And there's so much that happens afterwards that I'm willing to forgive it. So I'm good with a plus there's a plane that crashes into a bus. So, I love it when children have planes crash into them. Okay. It's my favorite thing. I've heard. (laughs) But no, yeah, that was actually, that's like one of the things that kind of goes back to, like if we had a section for directing, which I don't think we have that because neither you nor I are uh, prepared to judge direction in that way. But something like that, which is like a piece of like story continuity that you use and you show it and you don't even point it out and you just move on is like such a move. It's such a move. And that's why I think it's such a good moment, but 
there's nowhere really to put in that. <laughs> so, yeah, I feel like if you do directors, I think that's tough because, um, there is a lot of, cause the director has their hands in everything, right? True. And I think it's like, I, to me, like, I think the overall success of the movie says more about the director than it does like specifically, you know, cause like, and you can get into a, a ton of arguments with people. So like, and I'll pick on Quentin Tarantino. So like, is he a director? Yes. Is he a filmmaker? Yes. So when does that line blur? Right. And and I think that's the major difference because you have people that are directors that maybe wouldn't classify themselves as filmmakers. You know what I mean? Like Guillermo del Toro is like a, 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 a astounding filmmaker and director. Um, Christopher Nolan, like same thing. Then I feel like you have other people that are so good at realizing someone else's story, right? So maybe they're not the filmmaker, but they're able to realize it through doing other things. So, um, yeah, I think it's a tough category. To, to Yeah, there are limits to how far like a creative vision can expand and how much also the studio gets involved too, because that'll happen. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, we'll stay out of direction, even though I do think that Stephen King is way too hard on himself and that his direction is quite good in this. Oh, it's phenomenal. But that isn't a category. Oh, sorry. What were you going to say? No, I loved it. It was good. Oh, yeah. So good. But anyways, that's not a category, though. So we will move on to what is a category, which is music or sound design. You know what? I usually do this. Why don't you? Why don't you? Why don't you take? Give it a shot. Give it a stab. Um. Well, when it started out, I was like very like much like, uh, this could use a synth. I need some more synth in there. But as it went on, I'm like, no, that's not the world I'm in right now. I'm in a world of like, you know, heavy guitars, 80s metal. Like I'm in a world of uh, trucks. And so I was just like transported by it. So like I actually thought that the music was uh, quite good. I actually could have used uh, fewer needle drops and more like original, like instrumental compositions. Yeah. So, um, and like sound design in particular, like the, the trucks like just dominated every scene that they're in and when they blow their horns, like I felt the way that, you know, the people felt, which is like, that's overwhelming. Yeah. So it's hard not to give an A. But I kind of want to give a B just because of the needle drops. They just using like classic ACDC songs and not doing more instrumental work, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, that's tough. I I, I actually I agree with you. I like the ACDC stuff, but it's like, yeah, everyone can do cool shit and put an ACDC song behind it, right? You know, like, I, I feel like you're right. There wasn't a lot of atmosphere building they could have done. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'll, I'll stick with your gut, I, but I, I could lean towards B on this for sure. Because, like, you know, you can't you can't give them an A just because ACDC did the soundtrack and they're a great band, right? Right. So, like, good for them. Like, it, their success has nothing. Like, it's not, you know what I mean? Like, it's so... I think taking ACDC out, like if it wasn't a well-known popular band with like basically that using their ma- like major hits from the mid eighties, um, I think th- this would have, the music would have fell flat. Right. 
I would agree. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm cool with B. B it is. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And then finally, for our fifth and final judgment category, it's called Factor. I mean, I'm wearing a T-shirt of it. I have to say, hey, like a T-shirt. Yeah, I can't. (laughs) Yeah. What am I supposed to do? Just wear a T-shirt of thing and say, no, it's a C for cult factor. Yeah. Like, no, it's is it's I've said it before. Like if there was more of the very beginning or more of the very end, this movie would be unquestionably on everyone's list. It's just that center part, which is everyone trapped at the like the uh, truck stop that really like gets people out of it. But and I would admit it probably lasts maybe 15 minutes too long. Like if it was 15 minutes shorter, it'd probably be a way better movie, but it's still great. Like, honestly, I would say just anyone who would like ask if they want a recommendation, I'd say watch the first like 30 minutes, go cook a roast, come back for the last (laughs) 20 minutes. Boom. Movie. Got an entire movie on your hands. Yeah, I agree with you. I think, I think a, but they could have, they could have definitely trimmed this down. Yeah. I'd be interested to see how faithful to the source material this is. And I know it was Stephen King doing it. So, yeah, actually, uh, I haven't read this story since like, oh no, that was like 2007. Uh, Yeah, I'm just trying to see like, does that middle part, did he do that to have filler? Because like, would this have been a 45 minute movie? Well, you know what I mean? The way, yeah, well, the story is way shorter than the movie would have been because night shift has a lot of stories in it. So like, I don't think any of them go beyond like 30 pages or something like that. Like they're all very short, but I also don't think he was doing filler. I think he was trying to like ratchet up the tension of the, of the situation, like in the, the, um, the claustrophobia of being in one place with people and surrounded by trucks that will not let you leave. Again, like I like how effective it is. I don't know. Like, I, I think it kind of loses a bit because I think you could right. establish that a little quicker. But again, like I still watched the movie three times like before we recorded and many times before that. So that's why yeah. it's for me. It's still an A for cult factor. It's like, well, yeah, because obviously I have the T-shirt. I have the album unknowingly, but still do. There you go. Those are two things noise so you're a as well yeah i think a, a is fair that's a great well it's a great grade now that we've shown our cult factor grades it's time for our final segment which is like when you get into a truck and you drive it it's the d roll because drive starts with d d roll uh, nice. I, have to, I have to do a deeper one so you can do an effect on it.
Sure, that's how effects work. <laughs> I don't know how effects work. I don't know how any of this works. Anyways, <laughs> the D-roll is our final category. That is a hat on a hat where we just make you do another one. And it is either a cult classic, a B-movie, a grindhouse, or trash. Which we haven't done trash yet, and hopefully we never do. So, I think this is pretty easy. Yes. Yeah, I mean, this is for sure a cult classic. It's gotta I mean, be. It's gotta be. It's gotta be. What a moment in history <laughs> this movie is. I know. It's so good. Um, I I wish he wasn't so hard on himself about this because it actually is a good movie. I and I don't know if they're just basing it off of financial success or just critical acclaim, but um, I wish he would have done more directorial stuff throughout his throughout his career because I think you know he writes all the time like he he can bang out a story it's crazy how fast he can write a book um i think it would be interesting to see how if he wrote a story not for a book but wrote it for like a movie and then took that from the whole way through from start to finish um as like a director producer all that stuff but yeah i think he took it way too hard like i would like to see him try again but now that he's getting way up in age like like it's probably unlikely um and one of the most interesting things i think actually is there was a conspiracy theory throughout the making of this movie or like not throughout the making but afterwards that it was uh ghost directed in part by george romero because george romero was often on set and george romero and stephen king were very close um Mm-hmm. So a lot of people thought that, oh, a lot of these shots look like George Romero shots. And and uh, I think it was actually the cinematographer uh, who who said, well, I saw him drink a lot. I saw him do cocaine a lot, but I don't think he ever left to get help for the cocaine because that was the rumors. He went like Stephen King went and got like went to rehab and, and George right. Romero had to film scenes. He's like, no, George Romero is just on set because he's his friend. I think he just took a lot from George Romero's style. It's like, I would agree completely. Cause I think that there are a lot of shots that are very George Romero. Like there are a lot that are not. And I think that that's to Stephen King's credit, even if he wouldn't want to acknowledge that, but it's funny that people want to attribute to George Romero instead. It's like, no, no, no. Like, you know, go to any director on earth, have them put a, you know, put a horizon on the screen and, Based on where they put it, are you going to say if they ripped off John Ford or not? Like, no, that's just right. like, that's just convention. So, like, the idea that they want to say that just because, like, Stephen King was borrowing from a person who he was obviously friends with <laughs> doesn't mean that person was doing it for him. It just means he was learning from who he was learning from. So, it seems yeah. silly to me. Yeah, and there, I mean, there's a reason why uh, Citizen Kane is, like, the most studied film. You know, like, the like all the shots are used in other movies. So it's like, you know, I, I don't think people want to borrow those techniques. Yeah. Correct. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, but no, I I would agree with cult classic. I think that this is a rare moment of a writer and a director and the same person. And I think it's got all of the best. And in some cases, some of the worst inclinations of that, 
writer director. Like, I yeah. think there are times where the Stephen King of it all gets to be a bit too much for the film, <laughs> but I right. still think it's worth watching, especially if you've read any Stephen King novels or like me read like all of them. So, yeah, I wish we could do the Langoliers. I, I love that. I love that television miniseries. Uh, so long. It's so good though. <laughs> it is good. I love, uh, it's so good. Good old JC Quinn. Um, but you heard yeah, it. Well, you heard it here yeah. first. The D roll maximum overdrive is a cult classic. Heard it here first, folks. No one's ever said that. No one has ever said it. And also my yeah. cousin Willie now has heard me say it, so he won't be mad at me. Yeah. You've heard it here fo- first, folks, on the only horror podcast available. The only <laughs> one that even exists. Right. <laughs> We've definitely... We might even we might even be the only podcast. It's possible we're the only two people on Earth, Shane. Oh my god. <laughs> Everyone else's trucks. <laughs> oh Christ! They've transformed. Oh, man. Anyways, that's the end of the D roll. Paul Classic. What? Yeah. Uh, what? What do we do now, Shane? What do we talk about? Well, so what? What do you think we're gonna watch next time? <laughs> this is the subject of a brief debate before we began recording. <laughs> and we. I thought you were gonna. Re- I thought you were gonna flip it back on me. Give me like, cause I, I, I know you're setting me up. So I set you up. I do, thought you'd set me up again. Do you want to be set up again? Or do you no, want, no, no, no. You want this me to be good. the one to say it? You should do it. So we were going through a bunch of movies and Shane mentioned one that I happened to watch uh, randomly last year. So a very recent find for me. And it is called the video dead. It is a zombie movie. Where zombies come out of your television. So watch out. A 1987 movie starring no one of note and directed by no one of note. So it should be a fun episode. Uh, you can find it on Tubi. It looks like it's on the Roku channel. I believe that it's on Amazon Prime, but it's possible you have to pay to rent it there. I thought it was there for free, but now that I think about it, I haven't seen it there since last year, so it could have changed. So yeah, I mean, Tubi's free, so yeah, I mean, Tubi is free and it's easy, but I want to give people options, Shane, even though the easiest and best option is already so free and so good. <laughs> That's fair. But yeah, so the video dead next time on Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> oh, no. Copyright, copyright. Oh, no. Yeah, erase that. They don't want them to find out that no. they exist. I can't. You did it. I can't get it out. Sorry. It's in there. They know. Come after me, Akira Toriyama. We'll see who's the best. <laughs> Man, I wouldn't call him out. Yeah, he's Ultra Instinct. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, I, I think that that was a great movie. Give it a shot if you haven't watched it. Do yourself a favor. Just set, like, I think it's like an hour and a half long. Just set some time aside. It, it is... It is enjoyable the entire way through. Even we did talk about the weird like montage of gas pumping. Um, you know, it's not actually 15 minutes, but it, it it's not as bad as we or I made it seem like. So definitely give it a shot. I think it's I think it's worth the watch. And honestly, most of Stephen King's uh, film adaptations are great. So 
if you haven't really dipped into the Stephen King stuff, I think this is a great place to start. A lot of people will tell you it. I think it's a little long. Like I think I would I would try something like this first. The miniseries or the the movie. The miniseries. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the the new movies are great. You should watch those. But I I meant more of like the old school, like uh, the know, TV. Yeah. Made the, for TV. The Mick Garris, The Stand is very good. That I, I yes, recommend. That, that also is very good. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I haven't watched yeah. the more recent one, the one that came out in Paramount Plus. I I tried, or is that Paramount Plus? Or is that yeah, it's Paramount Plus because it's yep. CBS. I I tried to watch that one and I just couldn't do it. They did a lot of timeline jumping, which I didn't care for. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Stephen King's work is like there's so many adaptations. Like if you can find the uh, Toby Hooper uh, Salem's Lot adaptation. I don't know if that's streaming anywhere right now, actually, but that one is actually so interesting. It's it's not quite like the book, but it's not unlike it either. It's 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 a singular vision of an auteur director using the work of a uh, an auteur uh, writer. Uh, unfortunately, I'm I'm showing that it's owned by CBS, but it is not. It's not out there it. streaming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that but there's others like like so much of of Stephen King's work. Uh, and there, that movie fucked me up. Which one? Salem's Lot. Oh yeah, it's it's crazy. Yeah, like one of the yeah. some of those moments are like among the scariest. And and read his books. Like I, I know that it's a huge investment to ask anyone to read a book in the modern era. Like to ask someone to sit down and just like waste hours on these things. But like a lot of Stephen King's work, I think it resonates so much. Like um. The Salem's Lot book actually like changed my life because it was all about like small town, like Maine and this idea like like it's a vampire novel. But like so much about it is about more than that. And it, I don't know. It, it's just interesting. I think that he is an author, despite the fact that he turns out books like nobody's business. Like we've been like waiting like for uh, George R. R. Martin to finish one book for like nine years. And like Stephen King's over here, like yeah, I'm doing like three a year. <laughs> like, well, th- that's actually a joke. So he's actually like, you know, they know each other. Um, and he and George R. R. Martin's even said that he's like talked to Stephen King's like, how do you do it? Like, how do you get this stuff done? Like, uh, so I feel like for Stephen funny, King, it's probably more of a compulsion. Interview. Like he can't even escape it. Like he has to, yeah. he has to put it down. <laughs> right, but. Yeah, man. Well, I, I think uh, we definitely gave a lot of really good recommendations this uh, this episode. Uh, please check out Maximum Overdrive. Check Salem's Lot is probably one. Like literally, like I I had like I had trouble sleeping after that. But I think my mom showed it to me. I was like four or five or something. So that's probably why. But um, <laughs> I might have been six. I don't know. I was I was way too young. But um, yeah, uh, that's kind of all I had this weekend. You, Everything you want to bring up before we uh, sign off here? No, no. Next time we got the video dead coming up, so stay tuned. Yeah, it looks great. Check out the cover. Like, so I, I picked a couple like uh, su- suggestions for this, like the next movie, and uh, I hadn't seen any of them, and you you hadn't either. And I'm not going to say the names because we're probably going to eventually get to them. And you're like, well, how, like you're going to have to really do a lot of the heavy lifting. Cause you know, I haven't seen them. I'm like, 
I'm, I haven't seen them either. I just look at the box art. So still uh, <laughs> living the VHS dream. So Still back in our local video store trying to figure yeah. out if this looks cool or not. Oh, and for the new kids that are here, uh, video store was a place <laughs> that, yeah. We got away from that joke. I, that was a fun joke. I, I loved it. But We'll bring it back. Or you just did. Yeah. You just, just did. did. <laughs> I just did. Well, I've been Shane. And I have also been, wait, no, I've been Stefan. That's who I've been. You're still Stefan. <laughs> still. <laughs> and, uh, you've been listening to the Dark Side Drive-In. Uh, keep it spooky. Spook em up. Insert fart noise. <laughs>